Hello, welcome once again to a Westworld podcast, Bullets, Brothels, and Bots. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. And this is Eric. Eric, how's it going, sir? It is going well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? This is Mike. Mike, how's it going? I'm fine. Phil, how are you? Doing well, doing well. Um, so a couple of house cleaning things first, and uh, first up is, uh, Eric, you do three other podcasts. I do. Uh, two of them are related to this one. Uh, one is the mother podcast, so to speak, Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror, film, fiction, and all this fantastic, but on the on the air, I don't know if that's the right term, but anyway, we've been recording that show for over five years now, uh, and we had two spinoffs from that show, of which this is one. Uh, the other one is a Game of Thrones podcast called You Know Nothing, Jon Snow that we record while that show is on the air. But right now, Westworld's on the air, so we're recording this one. I also do a podcast that's a general interest podcast that I record and produce myself with my buddy Dan. Uh, it's called the Ascancy Podcast. That's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it on Stitcher and on the iTunes Store. Excellent. And Mike, besides doing uh, the You Know Nothing, Jon Snow podcast, this podcast, and the Dark Dust Discussions podcast, uh, you do a genre blog as well. Yeah, the genre blog is Unnatural Selections, www.unnaturalselections.com. And you actually uh, put up a new article just uh, over the weekend. Yeah, well, as pretty much everybody uh, in the Western world knows, there was the season premiere of The Walking Dead last night, and the season finale previously had managed to piss off a lot of people. And that was just something I'd thought about for a while, is why is it that particular cliffhanger had alienated so many people when so many other cliffhangers don't? Um, now, in hindsight, and I'm going to guess from the ratings last night, it's probably still a success as a, as a stunt went, but it still managed to piss off a whole lot of people to a degree that a typical cliffhanger doesn't. Um, so that was just my thought is what exactly did they do wrong and what should they probably do to avoid it in the future? All right, very good. And uh, so folks can check that out at any point. And if you forget the name of the blog, uh, just go to uh, what we are here under uh, a Bullets, Brothels, and Bots, a Westworld podcast, we are under www.darkdiscussions.com. And on the right side of the front page are links to Escancity, as well as Unnatural Selections, and also to the You Know Nothing Jon Snow podcast, and, of course, uh, the Dark Discussions podcast, where you can listen to all episodes of uh, Dark Discussions, You Know Nothing Jon Snow, and Bullets, Brothels, and Bots. And we also are on Facebook at Dark Discussions Podcast, as well as uh, email darkdiscussions at AOL.com. We've already had a couple of emails from a couple of folks. Uh, always willing to hear more feedback uh, for this podcast. Also, on iTunes, if you would like to review us, uh, please do so. And uh, that would help us gain some, no uh, not notoriety, but no notability, <laughs> I guess. Uh, we'll take notoriety, too. Whatever. Whatever works, exactly, and uh, that would be appreciated. Um, and uh, I think that's all I got there. Uh, I will state uh, one thing, though. Uh, uh, folks want to get my fiction book. It's called Pentagonal, Pentagonal, not Pentagonal, Pentagonal Sextet, uh, which is a 30 stories, uh, five by me, and then uh, five by five other authors, 
uh, basically genre fiction of all sorts, including horror, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, um, and weird fiction. Um, so if folks want to check that out, they can find it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble and whatnot. And, uh, I appreciate any feedback, what people think of that. Um, so now so. you have, you have, you have five stories in this. I do. I do. Yes. And how many of them feature sexy ladies? Uh, let me think. Uh, hey, sexy lady. It depends. It depends on your perspective. I see the, the, the first story. Yep. Uh, I mean, we don't really talk whether or not she's attractive, but you figure she's, you know, whatever. And then, uh, the second one, uh, attractive, the third one, um, uh, it's a teenager girl, so it doesn't matter. Fourth one is an, a pretty girl, but, um, it's not a theme of the story. And the last one, um, uh, yeah, you, you know, she's hot because she's a, like a goth, uh, punk techno thrower, you know, a cyberpunk type chick. So, and how many feature little dogs? Um, none actually. Believe it or not, you you fucking hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, no, no little dogs. No you little have dogs. been called out. Yeah. So anyway, all right. So it's Pentagonal Sextet is the name of the book. Yes, yes, it is, and that's available wherever books are sold, which used to be in brick and mortar stores but now it's pretty much amazon yeah yeah you can go on amazon.com or bondsandnoble.com and uh, you can find it there with with ease yep so very good so folks could uh, check that out appreciate uh any feedback um you know reviews whatever uh it's all good uh, well we have competition out there and we know we have competition out there because it was in a article on huffington post <laughs> right now yeah. That was something that came out since we did our last recording. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I thought we talked about it last time. We talked remember. about it on um, – did oh, we talk about it on, on Dark Discussions? We didn't talk about it here. Oh, okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Mike. Explain what happened. Yeah, there's, there's an article in Huffington Post of uh, someone – and there's debate over the, the degree of snark that was measured, that was that was uh, injected into the column. But just saying that, hey, did you know there's already 28, I think it was, podcasts dedicated to Westworld, which, of course, at this that point is a show that had only three episodes in the can uh, and broadcast. And they listed all 28, of which ours was one. And they made some comment about how we had struck upon alliteration as the secret to podcast success or something like that. Yeah. Uh and, uh, you know, hey, we were just happy to be mentioned because any publicity happy to is be nominated. Yeah. Uh, any publicity is good. Pl- hey, you know what? I, I'm, I've take that back. I don't, I, I, I am not just happy to be nominated anymore because we've been nominated for a couple of awards now when we've never won. And it's Mike sucks. wants his tiara. I want, I want my tiara. If I'm not nominated, I just say they don't know what they're missing. They just haven't heard of us. There's a whole lot I can understand, but you've heard of us. Obviously, you've heard it because otherwise you wouldn't have nominated us. And then it just hurts because then you reject us after that. And I feel bad. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's I'd rather not be nominated. Thank you very much. All right. Let's move on. So, yes, uh, Huntington Post, uh, which is a uh, news co- company, quote unquote news company. Quote, quote unquote news. Yes. Thank you. Yes, yes, uh, and um, they uh, mentioned our podcast. If they uh, if they get to make snarky comments about our podcast, we we get to say quote unquote news. Yes, yes, absolutely. So uh, that was kind of cool. 
Um, and uh, so hopefully uh, folks will uh, want to check us out. They can actually find a link to that uh, article on both the Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group as well as on our Twitter, which is uh, at Dark Discussion One. Dark Discussion One. And, uh, and oh, and also on E. Webster, at E. Webster, uh, because uh, Eric also uh, tweeted that out as well. Yes, you can find me on the Twitter. Twitter, yes. All right, so I think that's it there. Uh, any general news about science fiction or Westworld that people wanted to bring up before we get into discussions of Westworld Episode 4? Yeah, let's roll. All right, fine. Let's see here. So the last episode, The Stray, uh, which we discussed last week, was uh, uh, actually had 2.1 um, uh, uh, viewers. Yes. yes, U.S. viewers anyway, that either watched it live or within the hour of the show. And that was the highest rated of the three episodes so far, even though it, it was arguably the weakest of the three. So it actually was more than the premiere. Uh, yeah, that was interesting, isn't it? Uh, tonight's episode that we're going to discuss, which was uh, which played uh, yesterday, October 23rd, we're recording on October 24th, uh, was Diso- Dissonance Theory. Is that correct, Eric? Dissonance? Yes. Mm-hmm. Dissonance, Dissonance Theory. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was directed by Vincenzo Natalie, which is a, uh, a American and Canadian, I think he has joint citizenship, uh, director who's done a number of horror and science fiction films. Wait, 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 wait. He's American Canadian. His name is Desenzo? Yes, yes. Uh, he was born in the All States, right. and I think he grew up a bit in uh, Canada. However, he has a very ethnic Italian name, I guess. Um, and Mike, uh, he did The Cube and a couple others, right? The, the two that he's best known for, I'm not sure what he's done outside of that, uh, are Cube and Species. Not Species, oh, I, Splice. Oh yeah, I Splice. love Cube. Yeah, that was a great film. Um, and Splice was mixed, but was an interesting film, even if it wasn't. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of both, but I think, yeah, Cube is probably is almost clearly a superior film. It's got some, it's just a great ideas about, uh, well, actually, in, in this way, sort of makes sense, because it's a little bit about, um, uh, sort of the self-awareness of, of bureaucracy, of how things arise without anyone intending to do it, uh, what they call emergence theory. So, mm. And the, the bureaucracy just generating something to keep itself going for no particular, without any particular guiding hand behind it. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that alone um, makes it interesting as, as a critique and discussion for a Dark Discussions podcast, maybe our sister podcast in the future sometime. But uh, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of things were to figure out or symbolized in that film and whatnot that um, could be a good topic. Uh, but I would agree, Mike, it's a good film. Um, and the screenwriters for this episode, Ed Brubaker and Jonathan Nolan's back. Uh, he skipped out on last episode and yet... What it was curious is that we said the first two episodes were probably much better, and again, Jonathan Nolan wrote both of those, um, or co-wrote both of those, and he did as well on this one, and I think this one uh, may be a, a pretty good episode. I think we'll, we'll discuss it a bit, but uh, the other co-writer is Ed Brubaker, who is a comic author of numerous uh, comic books, uh, both um, 
uh, actually, it looks like mostly DC stuff. Batman, Daredevil, Captain America, Catwoman, and so forth. So, um, yeah, that's all I got there. And it's the viewership is to be announced. Uh, it has not been released yet. 59-minute episode. Any further things over the uh, background of the episode anybody want to bring up about uh, the director, the writers, uh, the, the title maybe? So, so no, uh, the title is, uh, is is Dissonance Theory. Um, now, Eric, you know, Dissonance uh, has a reference in music, right? Yes. And what does that refer to? Uh, it refers <laughs> – well, now you've called me on it. I don't know how to exactly define it. Um, it's it's basically when two notes are played at the same time that don't really go together. Uh, they don't sound good, and – it doesn't sound good to the human ear, even though you couldn't really say why. You just hear it, and you're like, nah, that ain't right. Um, and probably a minor second and a diminished fifth are probably the most well-known intervals as far as creating dissonance. And isn't that pretty much the entire founding philosophy of heavy metal? Uh, a lot of it. You'll, you'll hear a lot of diminished fifths in metal. Um, and I mean, in classical music, I think it's uh, Stravinsky who did things like the the Rite of Spring. Uh, yeah, Harvard yeah, Suite is yeah. is well known for that, and because I think it was the Rite of Spring where they had a riot the first time it was it was yeah performed. because he he kind of um, doesn't fit in with uh, the Romantic or Baroque or any of those other stuff. So he was more modern. He's considered one of the more modern composers. So right. Well, when you you think of, you know, you think of something like the harmony of the Beach Boys. You know, that's that's the complete opposite of dissonance. Dissonance is more Yoko Ono. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I guess I'm just looking it up on Wikipedia, and, and they talk about cognitive dissonance, which mm-hmm. is the idea that when you uh, people or cognitive dissonance theory, which is the idea that people strive for some internal consistency. Right, that we try to be consistent in our our behaviors and our worldviews, and we like to have everything in harmony, and we don't like it when there's some sort of internal conflict or a conflict between our beliefs and our behaviors. Um, and they give an example on, on again on Wikipedia, but so for example, if someone makes the uh, the decision that they are not going to eat high fat foods. You know, then their response, and but they want to. Then they're presented with a donut, <laughs> all right, and they want to eat the donut, and they can either change their behavior to fit their model, so they won't eat the donut, all right, uh, or they could try to justify. Well, you know, I can have a donut every now and then. You know, it's not going to kill me, <laughs> or they could. Uh, they'll find other ways to judge. They'll say, I'll, yeah, I'll eat the donut, but then I'll just work out a little more. We won't, but we'll, we'll say we will. And that'll allow us to have, feel good when we eat the donut. Or you just go into complete denial, which is donuts don't have high fat in them. Right? You know, there's like the people who are saying, smoking's not really bad for you. That's just what they say. It's a, it's a conspiracy theory. Right? So you, that, that's a way that you, you try to rationalize your actions, your behaviors. And I think that makes a lot of sense in terms of of this episode and, and uh, Westworld in general, is that you're starting to see cognitive dissonance in 
several of the characters. Yep, no, I would agree. Um, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, I did want to bring up one last aspect of, uh, the show. It's, uh, overview of the show. And it was, uh, it actually, uh, competed with a, a premiere, right, Mike? Of, uh, another major genre show. And I don't know how that would affect the viewership, but then again, everybody has DVR or on demand now anyway, so I don't think it may matter. But I, I did, here offline from you, Mike, just a little while ago, made a good point, which is that fans of both shows most likely probably watched uh, The Walking Dead premiere f- first, just for the fact that um, there was a big plot point there that could have been spoiled. So uh, a number of folks may have um, not been able to catch up on Westwood uh, the day of. Right. Well, I think whether you like... Uh Walking Dead or not, and it has plenty of things about it, I think, worth criticizing. But the one thing that it has done really well is found a way to get people to watch live, and it's kept alive the idea of the water cooler show, the show everybody has to get together and talk about the next day. Game of Thrones is another show that does that. Um, Now, because usually you don't know if something's going to happen, and again, something that both Game of Thrones and Walking Dead do really well is – make you tune in because maybe something big will happen. Often something big doesn't, but you don't want to be caught unawares. And I think like a good example was the episode Hard Home um, in Game of Thrones where there was this massive, uh, you know, coincidentally uh, zombie attack at the end of the episode that was not in any of the advertisements. Nobody was expecting to happen. And it just took everybody by surprise. And you didn't want to have that. You didn't want to be the one at work the next day that didn't know what happened, you know, hadn't seen it. Well, in this case with The Walking Dead, they had advertised you, – you knew clearly one of the characters was dying. You didn't know who. And also, and, and despite pissing everybody off six months ago, people had come to terms with it and now it spent the last couple of weeks talking about and trying to figure out who it was that got killed. And apparently like every member of the cast, anything they did was being scrutinized. Oh, so and so they're filming and – this actress took a selfie of herself in New York City, and therefore she's not on the set. Therefore, she must be the one that got killed. You know, so everything they were doing was being scrutinized because um, so, people were trying to put together the clues. And it had turned into something of a game for fans. But nobody wanted to be the, the person at work the next morning who didn't know what happened. They didn't want the moment ruined for them. They didn't want to be left out of the, uh, left out of the group. So, you know, it was uh, – yeah, I think it was, it was, it's, it's a, it's one thing they do really, really well. And I don't think Westworld, I don't know if they're going to try to do anything like that, but they certainly haven't gotten to that point yet, even though there were significant reveals in, I think, tonight's episode. Uh, or last I, night's episode. If, if I could interject though, Mike, I, I think your point offline, uh, was better than the point you just made, which is if you're fans of both shows, even if you say like Westworld better, you're more apt to have just watched The Walking Dead because you didn't want it to be spoiled, which you kind right, of... Right, and that's, you don't want it to be spoiled. You want to be part of the group. You want to do all that. And, and yeah, it just doesn't... And, and and Westworld hasn't gotten to that point yet. Right. Well, and even even if, if it had, again, we're, we're talking episode four versus a season premiere, you know, which had a right. huge cliffhanger prior. So um, so I think if, if Westworld's... Numbers will be down this week. It may actually be because everybody watched it uh, on Probably. DVR after because of uh, – um, because it was not, not that everybody because I know uh, Eric and, and myself aren't 
big Walking Dead fan, so it's not everybody that's a genre fan watches both shows, but you could argue that a lot but of... But if anybody of, is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's like you look at um, the Exorcist TV show on its fifth episode ended with a massive twist, but nobody talks about it because not that many people are watching the show. Sure. So and I've looked online, uh, and nobody has, even though I frequent a few horror-related Facebook pages... Nobody has actually spoiled the re that reveal because nobody's really talking about it. Or people who are said, oh, yeah, that was great, and then they just kind of move on to talking about something else. So, yeah, I don't think – I will be curious to see if Westworld ever even attempts to go in that direction at some point. Or is it going to be something where they try to get people hooked like that? Because it is built around a mystery, but it hasn't got the uh, you know, the critical mass, right? It hasn't gotten enough viewers yet to turn it into much-watched TV. Yeah, right, right. I mean, a lot of, a lot of shows, it, it takes a, a year or two. I mean, Game of Thrones and, and Breaking Bad uh, were popular, but became really popular following season. So, Right. Uh, if you look, um, if you go to, again, go to Wikipedia, if you type in Game of Thrones episodes, they come up with a list of episodes, and at the bottom is a graph that shows you the viewership. And it's, it's a bar graph, but it pretty much is going up and up and up every season because of the idea of streaming and things like HBO Go or HBO Now or Netflix, more and more people can catch up on a show that they missed and that allow, and then that builds word of mouth and that gets more people to watch who will then stream the earlier seasons and more and more people come on board with every season, which is sort of the exact opposite of how TV shows used to work, where people would stop watching it and they'd never catch back up to it and just let it go because there was no way if you were watching, I don't know, if you were watching Hill Street Blues back in the day, if you had missed a few episodes, then you might have a hard time getting back into the story and you just stop watching in each season or maybe your favorite character leaves the show or whatever it is. You're, you'd start at a high point and your ratings would drop and drop and drop throughout until you're just basically left with the diehards who aren't really – who are sticking with the show. And now shows have a chance to build on their viewership and I'm pretty sure that's the model they're, they're going to hope for with Westworld. Yeah, very good. All right, so let's uh, transition into uh, this episode. Um, and so, Eric, uh, let's start with you. Uh, what did you uh, think of uh, this episode? This episode, you know, I got to be honest with you. On my first watch, I was just like, meh. Oh, okay, this happened. Um, <laughs> then on Facebook later in the evening, you started poking some fun at some uh, Walking Dead fans. Um and started posting things like, oh, my God, this episode was so great. It filled in so many holes and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, is he just trying to mess with Walking Dead fans? Or did he really get that out of this? Um, so, I, so I went back and watched it again. And I don't know where the hell I was last night, the first time I tried watching it. But, uh, yeah, I caught a couple crucial things this time through that I missed the first time. Uh, and it, it did give us a couple clues. So, uh, yeah, uh, I enjoyed this episode, although it did raise as many new questions as it answered. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll go next because you mentioned me, Eric. Um, yeah, I actually, uh, was both being a wise ass as well as being truthful too. I was obviously picking, poking fun at, uh, Walking Dead fans, but I honestly believed, uh, also, um, the stuff that I said that this answers a lot of questions. Um, Basically, since they were both playing at the same time and most people are watching Walking Dead, I, I was joking 
online stating that I'm watching a real show, Westworld, instead of Walking Dead and whatnot. And um, I believe you referred to it as The Walking Dreadful. Yes, The Walking Dreadful, yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of stuff that we were questioning last week, like what are they doing, whatever, you know, the things that were bothering us, um, as well as stuff from the first two episodes as well, were suddenly at least filled in much better and more, made them very more interesting than the eye rolling that we were worrying about from last week. So I think that was what made this episode possibly the, my favorite episode so far. But also, like you said, Eric, it uh, um, doesn't answer all the questions because without leaving us with new questions. And I, and that was good too, because, you know, it is a mystery. It, it's keeping me now to the point where, Oh, I can't wait until next week and so forth. So, um, I think it did both things well, where it cleared up some of the problems from episode three, especially again, the one episode so far that has not had Jonathan Nolan as a writer. And it also brings in suspense and interesting things and new questions and new quote unquote worries I have about characters, worries meaning are they good, bad, or actually not good and whatnot. Then, uh, so, so it keeps, it's keeping my interest peaked. So yeah, I, I enjoyed uh, this episode a whole lot. Uh, Mike. Yeah, I think this was a good episode. I think, you know, what happened is the first two episodes laid groundwork down and the second episode spun wheels. Didn't really reveal a lot. Um, and, you know, two episodes, three episodes, we're, that's, that's, that's three hours. And if, if you can imagine a movie that spends three hours just laying down the groundwork without giving you answers, you're, you're going to get frustrated. And I don't think, you know, obviously you're watching a TV series, you're in it for the long term, but you do need to have something. You need small bits given to you to keep going. And, and it's hard. You don't want to throw everything down at once because then you have nothing to, keep people going along but you also can't not you know keep withholding because eventually people give up and i think lost while it screwed the pooch in the end uh was really good at knowing how to answer questions while then raising new ones right you know it started with the first season of what's in the hatch well then when you get once you got into the hatch and saw what was in the hatch well, then it all it opened up a whole new can of worms, and people would be complaining because they well it never gives you answers. Well, no, it's not true. It's always giving you answers, but every answer leads to more and more questions. You know, and that's kind of how discovery works. Very rarely dis- does discovery work where you know you ask a question and then you get an answer, you close the book, and you go home. Mike, I, I like your your comparison to Lost because everybody. Well, I shouldn't say everybody, but at least in my perspective, I always keep on looking back at this show here, Westworld, and comparing it to Game of Thrones, whether it's because it's um, um, basically an HBO show, whether it's because it is high profile, whether it is because it is... It has a redhead uh, to you on a bang? If, if I was single, yes. Um, <laughs> and, or, or, and, or just and, had permission. And No, no, I can't do that. I'd have to be a single only. Um and the last main point I was going to make um, is that it also has a big budget as well. But unlike Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones is, is ha- obviously it has the quote-unquote big mystery, which is who's going to sit at the, on the throne if there is even anybody. Um, it still had different arcs each year that or each season that 
are in itself um, a story with the larger arc of who's going to be on the throne. Here, this show is a mystery from day one, and we, you know, right from the beginning. So it can't be looked at like Game of Thrones for that facts. And I think Lost was it was a good example, uh, even though that that show you know, you know is, is much older now and um, uh, and so forth. So and and was a you know regular television station rather than HBO. Um, so I thought that was a good point that you brought up, Mike. Um, well, the question is, does this remain a mystery and how far? I think anyone who's expecting this to turn into the 1973 film, you know, and have Yul Brenner chasing. Chase, yeah, because I don't think it's going into, I don't think this is going to eventually turn into the Terminator in the, in the final episodes of the season, right? Which is because, you know, the Terminator was somewhat inspired by the gunslinger from Westworld. Um, the robots will almost certainly rebel, but it's not going to be, you know, a simple, you know, must kill William. You know, it's not going to be that. No, I think at this, at this time it's going to just be, uh, I think we saw be... a couple of things during this episode that pointed to the fact that some of them are feeling a desire to be free, even though they might not necessarily understand why they don't feel free now. Um, would you agree? Yeah, I, w- I would say that, Eric, that unlike the, the movie, um, the, the, where the, the robots either malfunctioned or gained some thought but still followed a certain path, um, here I think the robots are going to understand that they're not programmed. I mean, they're simply programmed to be bad or good or to play a role, and their outcome, based off of what we saw today, or I should say yesterday's episode, is they're going to be more decision makers and be who they want to be and not be who the creators had programmed to be, meaning they're not going to be, you know, the Terminator type thing that we saw in the the movie. So... I mean, the, the 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 scene, the very last scene of this episode shows how um, the robots may actually suddenly be aware that, oh, I'm not actually bad or, oh, I'm not actually good. None of this really matters because there's something else going on. And I think that that will be um, uh, something the way they're going to go. Um, do you think so, Eric? So it's not going to be just simply... Malfunctioning it's, robots. It's, it's, well, they're not going to be malfunctioning, in my opinion. I think they're going to be developing. Yeah. Okay. That's a that's a good way way to put it. Yeah. And I. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That, that's that's a really good way to put it. I guess. Um, Mike, Mike, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's awakening, right? And actually, you can make that argument somewhat with the original. There was a computer virus going around, but. Uh, we knew that robots were building other robots and modifying them in ways that, you know, didn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense. I mean, what does an entertainment droid have to do with uh, have a need for uh, infrared vision? But um, and certainly by the time you get to the second film with Future World, you, you are in the point where robots are trying to take over the world. Right. Presumably. They're a little unclear about that. But. Um, yeah, it's, and the, my question, I guess, is this, is that there are some central mysteries at the heart of this. Once those are answered, will there 
be more mysteries or will it be changing into a into a different sort of show? Right. I mean, you know, we we're we're entering into mysteries and questions about cognizance and the awakening of the robots. And we wonder what will happen as they become more self-aware. Where will that go? But once the self-awareness hits, we'll always have that. Well, what happens next, which we have in every story. But are there other mysteries? You know, what's, you know, we talk about the maze and Arnold and the rest. Are there mysteries that will continue beyond that? Or will those simply close the chapter of the first story and bring us into a somewhat more straightforward type of story next season? Well, let me, let me, ask, let me ask you this, Mike, because you brought up, uh, some, some points there. Um, maybe, do you think the robots had always had, um, I guess uh, a destiny of what they wanted to do is just that they kept on being resetted. So, so in other words, th- what's happening is they're still being reset, as we see with you know uh, the two lead uh, female characters that are robots, uh, uh, Evan, Rachel Wood, and and it appears the name is actually Tandy, not Sandy, because I, I heard uh, Joy Nolan uh, say t- her name is Tandy. Uh, <laughs> I. I also heard Joanna Robinson on her podcast uh, respond to a whole bunch of people who corrected her pronunciation. Uh, so in that regard, we can be grateful our profile is a little uh, slimmer. There you go. But uh, and yet we we did our podcast first, those bastards. Um, so Tandy Newton and Evan Rachel Woods characters both seem to have their own. I, I mean. I mean, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, thought process. They, they, they are individuals. Uh, if, if you want to quote, call quote unquote robots individuals. However, uh, they keep on being reset. It's just that now because of this, whatever it is, the virus or the ghost in the machine or whatever you want to call it is allowing them to suddenly see things or remember things from prior days. And well, to once, me, it's, once it's the clear that. Once the resetting is gone, I think they would be on their own destiny. It's just and 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 the thing is, is they're just stuck right now in a, in the West World. I mean, if they were out, you know, left the rest world, they, they would obviously change. Uh, but what are you going to say, Mike? I, I think it's clear from last week's episode that self awareness was something that Arnold was trying I'm, to build in. I'm looking for self-awareness. Yeah, that's the word I was looking right, for. Right, that, that, that he was trying to, and they talked about the stage of consciousness, which is, you know, starts out with just programming, right, which I guess biologically you could equate to simple instinct. And then you would get to improvisation, which is taking your instinct, your programming, as we saw with um, Dolores this week, when uh, Bernard asked her about something she says, she says, well, she just adapted that from other words that she'd heard that or been programmed to say. Yeah, but so you get to improvisation, so you take your programming, you modify it, and you just keep, and then there's, and then you just keep adding layers to it and developing. But the catch is, um, is the memory wipe, right? So if you imagine like that one, you know, from the day you're born, you're constantly learning and adding new information. But if every day your memory was wiped, then you're never going to learn. You'll never get learned to walk. You'll never learn to talk. You'll never learn to stop shitting yourself. You know, you'll just remain an infant for your entire life. You know, you'll never add vocabulary to your uh, to your language, and the robots are kind of in this position. They can never learn. They can never develop because of this. They're stuck in the same 
mental and emotional place their entire life. And so that's what's stopping them from advancing. But once that's gone, as it seems to be, that should allow them to progress to some degree. And we're seeing that with several of the the uh, the hosts right now. Right, exactly. Um, uh, let's just throw out the spoiler alert now anyway, just because – not that we're, we're going to start spoiling, but there's always a chance that we may use an example within this episode. So uh, folks who haven't seen this episode that uh, don't want anything spoiled may want to – uh, go watch it first because um, we'll, we'll probably discuss various aspects and, and storylines from this episode uh, going forward. Uh, Eric, you were going to say something? Uh, I was just going to say before we dive into plot and spoilers and everything, uh, I've been quiet partially because I was researching uh, <laughs> dissonance to make sure I didn't have my head up my ass. Um, and for those, I, I, I referred to the uh, diminished fifth, which I believe is still correct, uh, but it's the referred to as the tritone is three whole tones apart and it's re- also referred to as the devil's note um and back in the day it upset the catholic church a lot during the uh mozart bach times um so if you uh if you ever want to hear what that sounds like um mike re- made reference to the fact that you find it in a lot of metal that is true the song black sabbath by the group black sabbath is a great example um the beautiful people by marilyn manson uh, the guitar riff in that song has a tritone. Uh, or if metal isn't your thing, the song Maria from West Side Story features it as well. Oh, there you go. Very good. All right. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Eric, um, so there's a lot of options folks can uh, go to to hear, hear it. That's interesting. That And it's weird that so many people uh, in the past frowned upon it because, again, it's just a, a note or a couple of notes, and again, it's not necessarily a horrible sound, you know, like uh, fingernails on a chalkboard. So it's just well, it's, back then people thought it was, uh, and that's that's why they called it the devil's note because they listened to it and they were like, ah, that ain't right. <laughs> interesting. Huh. Yeah, well, that's superstition for you, I guess, right? Yep. Yep. Um. Now, uh. What did you guys think of the very beginning of this episode? Because it appears that they're going to do this. At least they, they, they've done it, I think, the first four episodes anyway, which is uh, Dolores being spoken to by Dr. Bernard Lowe. Uh, well, I will say this. Um, there was a moment where I caught myself having a sexist thought, um, which is when he's talking to Dolores and she's getting all upset. And Bernard just says, uh, <laughs> reduce emotional uh, output or something like that, and then she stops being all upset and just talks normally. I was like, "Damn, I wish that really worked." <laughs> just calm down, stop with the emotion, reduce emotional output. Um, well, I'll defend you it's because you could say that about uh, males and females alike. I mean, true. All you have, all you have to true. do is go to our Dark Discussions podcast Facebook group and. And and the arguments. Oh, some of the men. The men fair the, enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but no, that, that's a fair point because what happens is is that Dolores. I, I don't even know if she starts talking normally. She almost starts talking monotone for a bit, and then slowly regains emotion again as they're talking. It seems it was kind of interesting because yeah. because uh, you know she's all emotional and he says stop with uh, the emotional 
piece of your programming. And then she starts being like almost monotone and then slowly gains it back. And I don't know if that was intentional to start monotone and then gain back emotions or, you know, you know, maybe like a hidden Easter egg or it was just, you know, it's just that, you know, no big deal. But, mm-hmm. um, it was, it was a curiosity. I thought, um, what, what do you guys think of this, this with, uh, Bernard Lowe? Um, and, and then he brings up the maze. He immediately brings up the maze at the beginning of this episode stating that, do you want to be free? And if so, um, Dolores, why don't you follow the maze? Meaning he knows something about right. the maze. So well, here's the, here's the thing is that up until, uh, this episode, I was convinced that Bernard was human and I'm no longer convinced that he's human. I think there's a good possibility he might be a robot. Well, and Eric, I, I think after this episode too, um, and uh, we won't say the Danish uh, actress's name because, as as we stated before, we, we destroy it. Uh, <laughs> we suck at it. As as Yannick, uh, one of our listeners, mentioned, um, we'll say her her character's name, Teresa, Teresa Cullen. Teresa Cullen. Yes. Uh, based off of what happens here, she may be human after all. And so, what it is is Bernard is the one that's the robot, and she's the human. While we used to think it may have been the right. opposite. Yep. Which is which is kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, I, I I didn't it didn't occur to me, Eric, that maybe he was a robot. But after you just stated that, that's a good point. But either way, whether he's a robot or not, he knows more and is maybe part of behind what's going on than we originally thought. Maybe right. What about you, Mike? What do you think? The fact that he knows about the maze tells us that he's ahead of where we thought he was. And because all we knew, the only ones we knew at this point that knew about the maze were the, uh, the man in black. And I had assumed, uh, Robert Ford. Right. Anthony Hopkins. Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. And he so, didn't mention it, but you would figure he knows everything. And, and we were already beginning to believe that he may be. The, the one that's wor- working, all the, you know, the machinations behind the scene, maybe. Right. Although, although there, was, I was also willing uh, to be open to the possibility that it was something that even Ford didn't know about. That it was something Arnold had built in without Ford's knowledge. Um, but the fact that Bernard knows about it, if Bernard knows about it, then almost certainly Anthony Hopkins knows about Hopkins knows about it. And this, you know, does it reveal that it is part of the game? It's an Easter egg in the game, according to uh, Ed Harris. Right. It's. Um, Right, right, and and it's curious too is that Bernard and Har- Ed Harris's character, which is the Man in Black, know about it, and they're, they're not just calling it the the back door or the ghost of the machine or whatever. They are actually calling it the maze, and we know that the Black Man in Black, Ed Harris's character, would think it, of it as a maze based off of the clues he found in the other episodes. But for Bernard, not only to name it as the maze. But even to mention it when we had no idea that he would even know, um, you know, you know, that's like, like, you know, Mike, you coming to me right now and saying, oh, I know your your basement is, is painted yellow. And it's like, how the hell would you know that? Because it came out of nowhere. And th- that's almost what I felt with Bernard, which is a huge clue, I think. Well, like, and not yeah. only that, but he he not only reveals that he knows about the maze, but he almost like. You know how everybody goes into Westworld and they find their, you know, the missions they're supposed to go on? 
like yeah. uh, you know, a rescue the saloon or whatever, stop mm-hmm. the saloon robbery and ever that. He almost sends Dolores on a mission. He's sending a robot on a mission. So it's like what? Because uh, he basically tells her, "Hey, yeah, go find the end of the maze, and you can be free." Um, so a robot has now been sent on their own mission, and I don't know to what end that is. Right. It's almost like he sent her, assuming she doesn't keep on getting reprogrammed to forget and have to start over, at least to send her on the same mission that Ed Harris is going after, but different ways, maybe? Right, right. Um, well, let me go, go to the next thing, which is, with Bernard character, because it also questions whether he's a robot or whether he's really on the level or not. When um, Teresa says that she wants the quality assurance folks to look into the robot that was the stray from last week, mm-hmm. she says, I want the quality assurance people. Basically, she's saying you guys are incompetent, and so I want someone else to, to look into this matter. And the young girl programmer, um, uh, what, what's her name? Uh, anybody get that off? I, I keep on forgetting uh, her name. I want to say Elsie, but I'm not sure that's Yeah, right. that's it. That's exactly right. Uh, Elsie Hughes, yep. Um, she is all upset about it, and then they get Bernard to give his opinion, and you can tell Bernard is kind of upset about it too, but he g- gives this little spiel about, well, everybody's busy. If you want to take extra stuff off of our plate, fine by me. Go ahead, let the quality assurance take care of it. Uh, we'll 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 do what we have to do, uh, and you can you know let us know your findings. And then Elsie gets all pissed and runs over to him after uh, Teresa leaves and says, "Why are you letting her do this?" And and I, I forget exactly what he says, but do you either remember? And what he does say though makes me more suspicious of him in the long run. Uh. Robots don't imagine things you do. You do, yeah. They don't imagine things you do. That's what I just found. Yeah, and 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 I thought that was um, unscrupulous of him because, as we know, he knows otherwise because of all these interviews with Dolores. So that alone made me. So you know, and that would happen at ten minutes into the episode. So so we have basically the first two scenes. There, whether it's a red herring or not, there the Nolan, the showrunner, is, is basically trying us to make us say, okay, Bernard isn't on the level um, and may have a hidden agenda. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that is the that is correct. <laughs> he totally has a hidden agenda. Yeah. All right. So, um, so anyway, uh, any further thing? I mean, we may come back to Bernard. Um, but yeah, well, you know what? Let's talk about his, him, and, and Teresa. You know, the the lovemaking session, and about Teresa is going to go talk to uh, the the Anthony Hopkins character. But Mike, you were going to say something? Well, so the one thing I'm curious about is that at this point in the story, uh, Dolores is off running around with William. Yeah, so that, she's no, so, yeah, so she's William. Yep. Right, so she's no longer at the point of going back home, going to sleep waking up in the morning and having that exchange with dad. I don't so, know it, because, because couldn't she just, I mean, I, I don't know how we, we haven't been really explained how it happens because it's at midnight. Does everything just reset? You know, right, so we, we haven't been explained. So I don't know if location and region in the park determines whether or not 
a robot gets reset. You're assuming it does? Well, if she's still with William, they have they spend the night I mean not spend the night together, they don't sleep together, but they spend the night together. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. Because if, if a a robot or a host is in the process of a storyline with a guest, you're right, they're not supposed to be reset. So as long as she stays with the guest, in this case William, she may never be reset again. Well, it's when is my my question is when is she having these conversations with Bernard? Is she stealing off in the middle of the night? I know that they that we know. I'm sorry, we oh, know that, that yeah, that's we, a good point, we yeah. know that they know where they are in the park at all times, and there's and so there's probably like hidden gateways hidden you know, at various points in the park. So I guess he could have quick access to her, but is she sneaking off uh, away from William so she can have these rendezvous with? Um, with Bernard. Oh, that, that's an excellent point, Mark, because, yeah, it doesn't fit because it's uh, the storyline. How could these Bernard interludes happen mm-hmm. without it being from a different timeline? Otherwise, she'd have to slip away and they ha- can't notice uh, that she disappeared. Yeah, yeah, I'm not 100% committed to that. It's suspicious. It, it has yet to be explained. I still think it could be explained if they choose to. Well, it's also possible that, and maybe they're going to play with the timeline a little bit. Maybe the stuff with Bernard is happening earlier and before William takes his trip in. But I, I again, I think that there's too many overlapping storylines for that to work. I think. Right. So at this point, then, based off of your observation, Mike, which is an excellent observation because I didn't even think of that, the interludes with Bernard either don't make sense or she's somehow able to slip away without being noticed for who knows how long. Yeah. So now of course she could be doing it while he's sleeping, but that could be a little awkward if he wakes up in the middle of the night. Right. So or they could fucking gas him so they don't wake up. <laughs> who knows? Or they could fucking gas them so that they don't wake up. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that is, is dangerous for a, a corporation because obviously that would be without consent and, and they could be sued and stuff, assuming something like that ever got out. But again, you know, this company may be, or at least Bernard may be um, unscrupulous in a sense, you know. So so again, even if they did gas them and, and it didn't make sense, it doesn't mean the company's doing it. It means that just one employee is doing it to the guest that Dolores is with maybe. I don't know. It's a curiosity to think of, anyway. So anyway, um, it's a small thing, but it was it was just a question that popped up in my head. It's a good question. I'm I'm very concerned now about maybe a a a loose end in the plot, but it's a minor loose end. Um, And this is really just framing sequences for each episode to give verbal expression to the themes um, that they're trying to explore. True. Yeah. So, but I do like your other point too, Mike. Is that she will she reset? And based off of what I've seen, the most hosts will not reset while they're in a storyline with a guest. They only reset when they're not. There's no guests around because the storyline can be dead and and be reset anyway. But for example, they're not going to reset. Um, a robot or a host, if they're out 
going after a bandito because then that would screw up the whole thing, right? And the guest isn't going to, you know, now that Dolores is with William, they're going to let it play out, I think. So, yeah, all right. So she won't reset, which is curious and even more interesting than the Tandy Newton character because Tandy's still in a scenario where she can continuously be reset because... Let's let's she, try and stick with consistent character names so we don't get confused. Maeve is her her character's name. Yeah, Maeve, Maeve. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, all right, that's that's cool. So, so yeah, that, that's an interesting thing. So th- those are two good points that you made, Mike, which is the inconsistency with the Bernard uh, interviews, and then the cha- the thing about how certain hosts will not be reset, especially with my additional information, which is because they're with a guest. Um, so. so, and the other thing is, uh, they did put kind of a, a a pin on one thing, and which is the uh, we talked about last week, uh, which was the Bernard's decision saying that he would choose to keep his the memories of his son. Um, oh, that's right! I was going to bring that up. Go, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, and they 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 really underlined it. They you know, way big red flags for anybody who watched last week's episode. Because, uh, because in Dolores, case you missed it, yeah, Dolores is not would choose to keep her bad memories because it helps define who she is, just like it happened with Bernard. And I think that is a was a, for me a little heavy handed. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, but it's still. A, it, yeah, but yeah, given given what they're dealing with, and they at least spread it out over two episodes. But yeah, but you so, know what? Yeah. That, that's that's a good point. But then again, I. It still didn't occur to me that Bernard now may be a robot. Eric was the one that brought it up right now, and that made me say, oh, that's a good point. But you're right. Well, it's- even if he's not a robot, it's the idea that the robot's becoming more like a human. You know, that, again, as I said, you know, use the, the Shatner quote from Star Trek V, I want my pain, I need my pain. Our pain defines our experiences. But our pain could, defines who we are. But, Mike, could could not Dolores's response simply been a program that Bernard put in her because he's the one that wants these robots now to possibly become human. Oh, that's also a good point. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that that's because that's what I, I got out of it, actually. But again, it could be also, like you said, you know, it could have been a those other things, too. So. Um, so, yeah, that's that's interesting about Dolores's character now. I mean. Is there anything else we want to talk about, Dolores, before we go into the rest of Bernard's character, which leads to, I guess, the, um, Teresa's character, the, the COO? Well, t- uh, Dolores is uh, hallucinating, and I found that kind of interesting, particularly when they were in the uh, in the other town uh, where the man in black killed that dude's family last week. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And actually, and, uh, yeah, go on, her. I was just gonna say they end up there again, and the and the daughter's hanging out by the well, uh, and Dolores says something to her, and she says something. She says, uh, "Oh, you and I." She says, "You and I uh, came from the same place, don't you remember?" And when she says the word "remember," it causes Dolores to flash back um, to what presumably uh, is the original state of the church that uh, is now buried out in the desert. Uh, and she sees something there, and she sees another flash. And then uh, what I'm trying to figure out whether it was happening at that moment or not is she looks down in the dirt and sees that the girl carved uh, the maze into the dirt with a stick. 
I'm trying to figure out whether that happened just then or whether she was recalling it from uh, earlier. Yeah, I, I don't know either, Eric, because they, I think when she looks back, it's gone, right? But that could have been either a foot, you know, rubbed over it to make it disappear, or right. it could be, like you said, a flashback. And I think it's purposely ambiguous. Um, I do like your point about the church because obviously she's remembering things uh, or or uh, scenarios that her host uh, had uh, had as a story in the past. Um, because as we know, she's the oldest host that is well, still active in the, in the um, Westworld. Here's the thing, though. I don't know whether she's recalling old host memories or whether this is part of the new scenario that uh, Dr. Ford just uploaded. Uh, because they make reference to it during this episode that his new storyline is creating chaos um, in the park uh, because robots are going... Uh, in places they haven't gone before, uh, and nobody can figure out whether it's a malfunction or whether it's part of the new storyline. That's a good point, too, Eric, because um, unlike humans, our memories are just that, uh, things from the past or, or as they occur. Robots are programmed, and most of their things, even if they do happen and they do remember them as fact because it still occurs to them whether they're robots or not they can also have have um memories that are programmed yeah that are programmed exactly or are for the future because that's the part of the program which is there it's not true future but it's what they're supposed to do because they're going to follow the program so that's an excellent point too eric um so i don't know that's a really good point i I didn't think of that so maybe and, and it was it intentional too what was did Ford purposely have those pre-programmed memories uh, happen immediately, or was it a malfunction? And that's another question that, in other words, is is Ford nefarious too, where he's trying to do something well, to the robots or not? That's really the big mystery here. Um, is that, I mean, clearly he 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 wants something. He's trying to accomplish something. We don't know what that something is exactly. Uh, but when he has a sit-down talk with Teresa later in the episode, uh, he's, he says, stay out of my way um, or don't get in my way. Because uh, clearly he's had a run-in with corporate types before who tried to thwart his uh, ambitions or plans or whatever have you. Um, and he doesn't want to deal with it. So he's just like, just let me do my thing and everything will be fine. Even though there's a lot more to Dolores' story because we got to talk about her interactions with William and Logan, uh, let's let's go into Teresa to Ford by through Bernard because um, what ha- because we were starting with Bernard's character and basically the, the next big scene with Bernard is the scene when he just finishes um, having uh, relations with Teresa. And then they start talking about her upcoming meeting with Ford. And I'm curious what your guys' opinion are about that conversation between the two and also whether Bernard, assuming that our suspicions from the first two scenes with Bernard are that he has something else uh, of an agenda, that maybe everything he was saying was intentional to make Teresa think a certain way when she... Uh, goes ahead and, and talks uh, with Ford in, in the meeting. Hmm. 
you know, I'm not quite sure what to think. Uh, whether that was just uh, honest advice he was trying to give her or whether he's got his own agenda. What about you, Mike? What do you think? Bernard tries to say some things to her after their relations. Well, okay. And, and I'm curious what your thought was of Bernard first. Um, because, what's, because obviously he has something going on too, and he had a big confrontation with Ford the prior week's episode. Right, he's basically just telling her to be careful that he's going to um, not to tip her hand too much, right? To treat him with a soft glove. But I think that's that so you're clearly setting up an adversarial relationship right now with with Ford and Bernard and now Teresa sort of in the middle. Right. Well, and come to think of it, all the advice he gives her, he's he's in the behavioral unit of Delos, right? Right. So all that knowledge he has about what body language means and how she should present herself is actually stuff that even if he is a robot, uh, he should know in order to hold his position. Um, so yeah. it makes sense either way. And, and Eric, that's a great point because not only did Bernard mention body language and, you know, uh, don't fold your arms over your stomach because everybody knows the stomach's the weakest point. Oh, right. You're, yeah. And that makes you, makes your quote unquote adversary know that you're concerned and consider them dangerous and whatnot. But this is the same guy that also earlier, I think it was episode one, Said, said, oh, I like how your eyebrow moves when you are just angry or whatever. Could I record it? Mm-hmm. So, I, in other words, he observes things. So, the, uh, or observes motions and, and ways people move and, and so forth. So, I could well, I imagine Ford's the same way. Ford designs these things and helps build these things, and he's the one that put in the. Um Whatever yeah, they those, call them, those little, those, those little telltale, uh, yeah, those little quirks, revenants, uh, right? Yeah, either way, the quirks. What do they call them? Yeah, it started with Rev. I know that much. Yeah. Reveries, right, so, that's it. Reveries. reveries, right? So he, so Ford's the one who put in those reveries. So Ford obviously is going to be picking up on a lot of stuff too. He has to be an expert in in body language in nuance and so he'll pick that up and that's part of the problem and so just warning her hey if you go there with your belly covered he's going to know you're trying to hide something you're trying to protect yourself and you're seeing him as a threat right um just as as general insecurity and so and again that that's setting that up that is certainly setting up ford i want to say i don't want to say that ford's being set up as the villain because we don't know really where Bernard's going to be in this piece. We, I think as a viewer, are being set up to side with Dolores. And because we're being set up to side with Dolores, I think we're being set up to side with Bernard. Yeah. And I don't, and why I'm pretty convinced that Dolores is still going to be a sympathetic character, although who knows how psycho crazy she might get after she gets to her full awareness. Um, I'm not sure that that's going to be the case with Bernard. And I mean, I don't want to oversimplify black hat, white hat, even though that is, you know, kind of an overriding theme of the series. Uh, but somebody's got to be the nominal bad guy here, right? When that one all is said and done. And the question is, who is it going to be? And right now, the two chess masters seem to be Bernard and Ford and maybe that mysterious other person who is, you know, is sabotaging the program. 
if it's not or, one of those two. Or, right, or, or even even a fourth person, which is now kind of making my point where when I first uh, started with the, this podcast, I specifically said, could it be some sort of um, um, corporate espionage? And we get a kind of a hint for about who the, the man in black is. And maybe, you know, because originally we thought he was going to be the bad guy. Yeah, but he, but but I think the man in black makes something says a comment that to me makes it pretty clear he's not there for corporate espionage. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, I'm on my fucking vacation. Well, that's that's a fair point. Yeah, but but we do know that he is some sort of um, it appears some corporate, not corporate, but big charity social. He's some type of famous wealthy individual that runs some sort of foundation. Yeah, foundation. That's the word I'm looking for. So we'll, we'll get to him in a bit too. But we, we still have uh, some more, a lot more, for, I guess, because we're going to talk about the Ford and Teresa thing. So Teresa does go meet Ford, and and Mike, you were you were talking about your opinion of this because this it was a kind of a scary thing because originally we thought Teresa was was uh, the corporate, uh, you know, powerhouse. You know, no holds barred, nothing rattles her, but well, you know, maybe Ford is not just a jolly, you know, old man that we saw in the first couple episodes. And is actually, like you said, a Mac of what's the word? Mac of villain. Machiavellian. Yeah. 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 Type of character. So so what did you think? Yeah. Well, he he right. He, he's manipulating her and he's making it clear he's manipulating her. And and he basically, you know, makes the comment uh, that in in this world, their God, he's. They're gods. He's God. All right. And he yeah. does that by making everyone stop. And you, you see them. Uh, the backdrop is all this construction going on. You see people planting in the fields. Uh, there's a, uh, I think it's called a dirt bucket excavator or a wheel yeah. bucket excavator. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yep. which is this massive, massive machine using for, to, to just tear apart large amounts of landscape at once. And all and everything just stops. Even you know the waiter stops pouring the wine. So everything around them is surrounded by machines, and he has absolute control over them, right? And we'd seen this already hinted at in the in the second episode where he takes the walk with the boy with the snake, right? Um, and then of course he reveals that he specifically chose. The, their meeting location because it would have particular meaning to her as a girl. And he, you know, he says, we know everything about our guests and we know everything about our workers. Right. About so our it, employees. It, it appears that basically Teresa must have come from a, a fairly wealthy family because um, she may have been a guest as a child with her family uh, back in the day and happened to eat and at the exact same uh, villa, I guess, at the same table on the same seat as a child. And the Ford character purposely chose that and basically kind of shocks her by uh, stating that he knew about these things, which she probably never mentioned to anybody. And that kind of, I guess, spooked her a bit. Never mind the fact that, like you said, he appears to be a god in a sense for the robots because he could stop them and from moving whenever he wants and all this other stuff. Um, but he does give 
I guess, a little um, back by stating, you know, you're you're here as a COO. You you basically admitted to me, and I knew this that you took the job basically because it's a job, and you only consider it a job, and it's not a job that you really like. So why don't you just not care? Just do your job. As every as long as everything's moving smooth, don't worry about what I'm gonna do. Let and your that's paycheck the, go home and leave me alone. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 they said, that, yeah. Well, I've, I've, we've had a lot of people have been come and gone, and most of them have been fine, but some couldn't. You know, there's a there's all there's almost a veiled threat that something that bad things have happened and they had to be let go. It was it was a, a veiled threat, but it was also. A thing like, who cares? Why, why do you care? I mean, you know, I mean, as long as you meet your numbers, don't worry about it. And that's basically what he's trying to say, which is, don't worry about what I'm doing, you know, you, you know. But it comes out a little bit as a threat, and even though he goes back a step, takes a step back too. So I, I don't know how I would have took it. I, to be honest, if I, if it was me. Uh, and and I was in that situation where Teresa was. I would have probably said, "Yeah, you're right. I don't care. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm making my money. Uh, I'm making my numbers. No one's getting hurt. You know, whatever. As long as you're not doing anything unethical. And uh, and based off of what he's doing, it's not to say unethical. It's just, but it's not what the company but, line wants. We, I guess, we don't right? know. We don't yeah. know. Well, and she's also banging Bernard, and he makes it clear he knows she's banging Bernard. And we don't know what the corporate policy on banging Bernard is. <laughs> well, and he also says something at that point, uh, and this is one of the things that makes me think that Bernard might be a robot, um, is because uh, he makes a comment of, uh, be careful with Bernard, he has uh, delicate sensibility. Um and I'm wondering yeah. whether you said that just because he knows Bernard or whether because he programmed him that way. Right, right. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, it, well, that's the thing, right? I mean, we don't know the backstory of any of these characters. Maybe Bernard was a stinker in the past, and, and Ford knows it. Or maybe, or, or maybe Ford just can tell that he's not dealing well with the death of his son. Well, right, right, yeah. Maybe, maybe Ford is also you're right let's say assuming he's not a robot and ford isn't trying to sabotage him and would say that bernard isn't a stinker from the past but maybe ford is that type of intellectual where not only does he know body language and be but he knows as you said mike he's part of the not only like bernard where he knows behavior patterns for programming and whatnot but maybe he can see a guy that's unraveling and going insane maybe bernard Based off of, you know, why would they have this sub story about him losing his son and, and the, you know, when he talked to his wife for a couple minutes and all this other stuff, or ex wife or, or whatever. Or is it his wife or, or ex ex wife? I, I don't think they say that because um, he's cheating on her. If if it's the ex wife, right. so I mean, yeah, if it's not, the, I, you know, I don't think they defined it. Yeah. Uh, or it could mean nothing, and he's just. You know, I know that you're doing this, and I could reveal that information at my discretion to your dismay whenever I so choose. So don't piss me off. All right. Oh, yeah. And he was actually may have just stated that comment about Bernard, meaning it's not me that you have to worry about. It's Bernard because if he becomes irate, 
he could sell you out and say, I'm banging the CEO. <laughs> Maybe. You know, because, see, honestly, you know, you know what happens since if Bernard's uh, career starts going down a tube, he could be one of those people that wants to take everybody down with him. So since we're talking about Ford and Teresa, when she goes to visit him, he is at, that's a mine, right? Well, it's turned into a mine anyway. I mean, whether it was a mine prior to him doing it for his storyline, I don't know. That's mining becoming equipment a mine. there, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that thing that's churning up the countryside is mining equipment. Yeah, yes. like some sort of caterpillar thing. It was what? What okay. did you call it, Mike? Mike, you called it something. I forget what it's. It's a, it's a. I think it's called a wheel bucket excavator, something like that. Yeah. Okay. No, just yeah. because that was new, we hadn't seen it before. Um, we don't know what it means yet. We don't know what his overall purpose is of redoing the landscape is. Um, but we do know that at some happening. point in the future, we do know at some point in the future, James Bond will be fighting a villain on top of one of those things. <laughs> Well, and since he's got digging equipment, maybe that's what's going to unbury the church that Dolores saw in her memory slash future. Who knows? Well, if you want to get, um, what do you call, all, all symbolical about this, right? Isn't this isn't a lot of this about digging up secrets, digging yeah. up the past? Okay, yeah. So, I mean, that that could be maybe maybe they're going with a thematical thing here. Uh, who knows? Well, and uh, speaking of digging up the past, uh, sorry, I'm bouncing around storylines here, but it just make it, there's a link here to me, uh, which is that the man in black uh, comes forth and reveals that he knows uh, the story of Arnold. He knows what happened to Arnold. Yes, which is interesting. Well, which again brings us back to the to me or brings me at least back to the question of what happened 30 years ago. Exactly. They got to tell us that at some point, right? Um, you know, he, did. He, he doesn't actually say what happened to Arnold. He just says that he knows about Arnold and he knows what he, happened. He just, he, but he doesn't tell us he, the audience. Said, no, no, right. not specifically. He said that Arnold Arnold built this park with the one rule that you can't die, and then he went and he broke his own rule. Yeah. Okay. Right. right. Yeah. So he knows as much as Ford, obviously. Well, we don't know if he knows as much, but he knows more. Certainly knows more than we do. Uh, and he knows something about what happened then, and I'm, and we are working on the assumption, and we may be wrong, uh, that Arnold died, or air quotes died, during the event of 30 years ago, and this is, for, or whatever the malfunction was, and that this is also a key to the man in black's past, and why he keeps coming back, and why he gets whatever he wants in the park. Right, so this this might and probably ties together, or I'm completely full of shit. Yeah. But, or maybe uh, he is Arnold. We'll find out. Oh, maybe Eric. Who knows? Yeah, it could be. A, a I don't know. Thing. Yeah. yeah. E either way, we know that he's based off of the the hints or. Or you know the bone they threw us that he is a huge, wealthy individual that has some sort of big foundation that everybody must know about. Uh, you know, so th this is a guy that's in in the category of 
of you know Bill Gates, right. uh, Mark that's Cuban, the impression I got. you know Donald Trump, you know a big businessman that someone knows. I mean that's that's. Well, he has to be because he spends a couple of weeks a year here, right? For the last yeah. thirty years, and it costs forty thousand dollars a day, right? And he's already been there a few days. So you're talking about, you know, I think a week long or two week long excursion. Two week long excursion, I, you're I, running into a half a million dollars. I mean, I mean, over and on top of that, we, we obviously knew that he was wealthy. You're right. We we probably should. Right. We already knew that from day one or episode one. But this also shows that that he's not just wealthy, but he's a known uh, businessman. Because you know, there's a lot of business people. I mean, who's the the you know the the head of of um you know Best Buy we don't we don't know who that is or or the right but but we do know who's the head of Microsoft and we know who the head of various companies are you know so he's one of those type he's the one that's out and about you know the one that he's the ones you see on the cover of Time exactly so he he's a, Maybe. He's a household name rather than um you know a person that wants privacy necessary or or he's someone that wants privacy but he's just so big that he would still be on the cover of time even if he didn't do interviews type well the other thing is that it hints that what a lot of I, I, you know some people are were speculating is that he is probably some you know a just powerless bastard in real life and he's using this to uh, you know sort of get his power trip right well, um, but and, this, and, and, this, this takes away that from the equation based on what happened. Exactly. Here. Is that this, this implies something completely different that he's actually, that if he's running a foundation, now you can run a foundation. A lot of, uh, bad people have run foundations, uh, but at least, True. you know, and, but, and at least this is offers a possibility that really, even though he's actually like a dick in Westworld, he might actually be a, a decent part human being in real life. And he's just operating out his darker fantasies here. That he might be far more uh, a William than a Lucas. Well, well that's a fair point. If it, it could be, he's just you know doing the the Logan thing, but trying to find out a big mystery of the park. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm thinking he's neither. He doesn't care about the park at all. In the sense that he's he's not there as a black hat or a white hat. And isn't living out of fantasy at all. He's just trying to figure out this mystery about something 30 years ago that he knows that will do something for him. And I think that's what it is. And he looks at the park as simply, you know, like I guess that Logan guy does, which is, what are you worried? They're just robots. I'm not evil. I'm just, I'm just shooting robots. What are you talking about? And I think that's his goal has nothing to do with the entertainment purpose. I don't. I think. I think he's interested in the game, and I think it's the fact that he's lost. He talks about how you know he wants he wants to get to the the level that where where the fatalities are turned on. <laughs> right. That's basically what he's talking about now. Why he's necessarily interested in doing that, or uh, we don't know. Is it just that he's bored with the game as it is? He's because he's, he's, he's exhausted every opportunity, every possibility, and he just wants to see what's left, what's behind it all. Oh, you know what, Mike? That's a fair point because yeah, maybe he was originally a Logan or a William there to be a good white hat or a black hat, and then he, as he's doing it yearly, he suddenly sees something. Oh, there's something 
there's a back door. I got to figure this out. So that's a possibility. But I, I'm still saying that there's a chance that it even now, since he knows who Arnold is, that it could be even be a bigger thing. And it has something to do with the whole mystery of the show and not just him right. being being a, a black or white hat that slowly turns into a guy that wants to get through the maze because he wants to see what's on the other side. I think that's uh, closer to where it's going to end up because uh, they, they they make a passing reference to it in this episode that the, the people who run this park know who this guy is. He gets whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, and they make a reference to it in this episode when he uh, he decided to uh, bust that guy out of prison. Uh, he's got these, you know, exploding cigars and they show the control center. And it was like request for a minor <laughs> explosive two devices. And the guy looks at the tablet. It's just, he's just like immediately approved. <laughs> well, well, clearly he, in, in real life, he's the president, president of Acme. Um, <laughs> and we, we can expect a future involving roller rocket propelled roller skates and, uh, giant bowling balls and other things. But, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, he, so he's clearly got something going. Now I'm wondering: is he just like the super fan? Is he like could, could it just be that he's one of these people that you know, where a normal human being plays a game and moves on? He like, just has been playing this one game for his entire life. Here, because yes. obviously, that one sentence where he yells at the guy and he says, "Don't tell me, uh, don't bring it up again, or I'll, or you want your throat cut because this is my vacation." You're thinking that he re- this is his vacation. See, I got that. Is simply, I, I got that whole scene as him, or I should say the the showrunner Jonathan Nolan, letting us know that this guy is a bigwig that would be on Forbes magazine, that would uh, have a hidden agenda, rather well, than it's... him saying. I think, and I think that throwaway line that was a throwaway line just to end the scene. Yeah, I, we... I I think it could go either way, but I think that's. Uh... It's likely, uh, because I mean, like, <laughs> clearly this guy's loaded. Uh, and I suppose if you have enough money, not only could you be a really big Star Trek fan, but I'm sure if you dropped enough money the studio's way, uh, they'd let you have a bit part in the movie. Uh, so maybe that's where this is at. Yeah, all right. So it could go either. Uh, Mike, you want to say something? Yeah, my, my instinct is always that when the writers have gone so far as to write words have a character speak them in a situation where it's not obvious that they're lying to assume that they did it deliberately and they did it to convey some sort of truth about the situation. It is possible and it is, and I can certainly see situations where, where it, it might make sense, but that we hasn't been revealed yet. It's possible that he was saying that, but not being entirely truthful with whatever schmuck face uh, his name was. Uh, but without further evidence, I'm just going to take him at his word that he is – So, that, and the, what the entire situation played itself out to be, which is he's someone wealthy, someone powerful, and someone who is doing this uh, completely for uh, the purposes of his own – if not entertainment, then his own curiosity and satisfaction. And so not necessarily why, something – Why would they even have this storyline – here anyway unless there was some hidden thing about it because i mean well i don't think it has to be hidden i think they just may be revealing something about the character about who he really is in real life so he doesn't remain a complete cipher to us for the entire storyline 
but the, if if we believe what y- your scenario may suggest, then he's not really part of the big picture, except to just give us information. No, he's. I'm saying he's not a corporate spy. Okay, but but he's something. He's something. But he's everybody something. thinks you're wrong about the corporate espionage. <laughs> That's, that's what he's trying to communicate. I'm just saying, I'm saying this is how he's choosing to spend his free vacation time is finally cracking the fucking mystery of this place he's been wasting his time at for 30 years. Okay, so all right, so you think that he doesn't have a nefarious or over the top thing to do it. He's doing it because after doing this for 30 years, he's saying, I got to fucking break this last code. He wants Rather, to get to the bottom of the mystery of the park. Yes. He, he either wants to get the, he wants the badge for getting hundred percent completion. That's a possibility. He yep. may be, he may have done this park so much that it's completely lost. He's the, initial... he's the guy that wants to collect everything in the video game so he can get the hundred percent. Exactly. What trying to say. That, well, so that's one thinking... possibility. The question is we net, well, what he does reveal to us is that the maze or he thinks the maze is something where the kill switch is turned on, where now people, where real people can die if you get to the maze level. Right. Um, because that is in his mind what happened with, uh, Arnold or something along those lines happened with Arnold. So, ah, so do you I think he's think like that? But so is, so you're thinking that he could actually be nefarious because he wouldn't really give a rat's ass if he, if the maze would break. Uh, if he broke the maze, it, the robots would go and kill people. You don't. You don't think he cares? I, I think he. I think he just wants to know what the secret of the maze is. Period. And I don't think he gives a shit what it is as long as he knows it. Um, now he may have suspicions as to what he is. Um, but he does make that comment that I didn't write it down here. But um, well, let's. We we spent way too much time on this. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, uh, my point is, my point is, whatever it is, I think that now he he could be looking for a way to die in the game. He could be looking just adding some risk to the game. He could just be wanting to know the, the secret. I just don't think that there's a, a a truly greater nefarious purpose like corporate espionage. I don't think that's well, behind it. And speaking of secrets of the game, well, we uh, found something else about a different character, uh, which is Maeve. This episode, Maeve starts having yeah. her thing. Um, Eric, 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 before you do that, I just want to state my last point is I was trying to get I, off that topic. <laughs> I, I know, but, but I just wanted to state that I was just throwing that out as a possibility of corporate espionage, but I just use that as an, a, an example of something more, not nefarious, but more over the top for the character, and I not specific to corporate espionage, Mike. Okay, so Maeve right is. Starting to have uh, memories, dreams, maybe. Um, Maybe they're dreams in the form of memories or vice versa. Who knows? Uh, But basically, she starts remembering when, uh, I guess when they, uh, although this is a little weird, uh, because she has memories of guys in basically uh, clean room suits coming to collect all the uh, dead robots after, uh, after the saloon robbery. And I don't remember them dressing. Were they in those clean suits when they did it in the first episode after the saloon robbery? I, I didn't remember the clean suits. I don't remember the red and white suit. Yeah, the hazmat suit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't remember, and by which I mean I don't remember. I'm not saying that I remember that they weren't in them. I don't well, remember if they were I'm in saying. them or not. I, I don't remember either. But uh, anyway, she 
Right. Eric, let me ask you that about those hazmat suit guys before you, you go on to her story. Did you guys think that they gave too much away by having a see her see the hazmat suits? Because it would have been kind of cool, Fuck I think. No, they better give us something. Uh, but wouldn't it have been more suspenseful slash scary? No, no, we needed something know... to happen. There's been enough fucking mystery. <laughs> we need some shit to happen. You, 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 want the, you want them to make them the grace. That's what you want. Yeah, well, that's what I was hoping. It would be something like, "What the hell's going on here?" And then suddenly it's, later, it's fucking, it's fucking Marty McFly with his Walkman, right? It's that's well, what this is. Well, but my point is, is that her, she's now trying to figure out this mystery, and we already know what it is. So, wouldn't it have been cooler had we not, if we followed with her and only knew, as you know, that there was this picture of this weird thing with a, with a you know a scuba diver mask on, and then later on find out. You see what I'm saying? I don't know. I just, I just... No, well, we got it. We already know she she's aware of the the background, right? Sure. And so I think this is so I think this is important in in that regard. So she's we needed to move or give her a way to uh, to take some proactive action, right? For something give her something to investigate along those lines, as opposed to simply keeping it strictly in the dream world. And so right. this is I I think this is a really neat idea, which is well, what if our robots wake up and see our people doing this while well, you incorporate that into the native American mythology, um, you know, and, and put it in sort of as an Easter egg, uh, it, which is that these are the spirits that run the world. And that's how you explain it away. Of course, she's seen beyond that. She's gone to the underworld. So she's, she's even seen behind the scenes of that and what's behind the, 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 the people in the masks. And I, here's a question for you. Why do they need to be in hazmat suits? Well, they did find an infection in her, remember? Yeah. Um, who knows what kind of nasty diseases are on the uh, hooker bots. <laughs> um, so who knows? I, you know, that would be my explanation. Um, yeah, which which did does. I was listening to a, another podcast and they were talking about this, and they they got stuck trying to decide: are they are they androids? Are they cyborgs? What are they? And I am curious: is there any real living tissue? I kind of took that that they were all synthetic with some artificial blood running through them. You know, all you need for bacteria to thrive is uh, you don't necessarily need real or you know real tissue. You just need nutrients and water. Moist. Yeah, and yeah, something dark, moist, and warm. <laughs> and so that's so that that could explain why the bacteria thrived inside of them, even though oh my god, they they, living things. They, every one of these hosts are 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 black mold. Like, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh my god! So, so you got to cover your nose and all that. Yeah, you, you have to you have to hire the the, uh, the the people to come in and rip out your walls and, and so all right. that. Right. All I know is all I know is if I'm in Disneyland and I'm waiting for the Main Street Parade. And the person walking down the street, sweeping up the street, is wearing a hazmat suit. <laughs> and I'm going, uh, excuse me, uh, are we okay? And they're like, everything's fine, nothing to take down to, we're all good here. You know, it's, uh, I'm, I'm going to be a little nervous. I'm just, that's how I'm feeling. Um, right, right. So I'm but, curious uh, why the, yeah. There's a crucial piece of information that's revealed uh, during this whole storyline with Maeve this episode. Uh, which is she ends up uh, confronting uh, oh what's the criminal's name Carlos is it Carlos oh, I think it's yeah. Carlos wait whose uh, name the the the, 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 the robs the saloon all the time the guy yeah the oh, guy that the, got, the, 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 the guy that the black and the, he he broke him out 
I, is it Hector? Is that it? Yeah, maybe that's it. Oh, you're right. You're right. It's Hector. Sorry. Yeah, I don't Hector, know where I got Hector Carlos. This is, this, is why I, this is why I take notes. Hector, yeah. Hector Escaton. Escaton, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she ends up in a room with a safe and Hector um, basically tells Hector, I'll give you the combination of the safe if you give me some answers uh, and starts asking him questions about the, the people in the hazmat suits and whatnot uh, and eventually tells him that, look, I know that I was shot and I still have a bullet inside me. I need you to cut it out of me to prove this. Uh, and he does, and they find a bullet fragment in her abdomen. Now, this brings me back to my whole question that I had uh, about the Westworld guns, which is what the fuck happens uh, when a robot gets shot and when a human gets shot. And now clearly the answer is when a robot gets shot... It gets a fucking bullet in it. So the real question now is, how come the bullets don't kill humans? How does well, that work? Well, it's a thing they haven't mentioned, but basically, um, I mean, it could, if we really want to go back to the movies, um, it could be when it's pointed at a human, whether no matter how they determine, whether it's because of temperature, whether it's become, based off of... Uh, H2O and carbon content, who knows, uh, or or blood movement or whatever. Maybe when it's pointed at them, it doesn't shoot, and it just shoots that puff of smoke thing. At, at, no, there's a projectile, though. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't that, think too hard about it. I, mean, I, I don't know. The, those movie guns weren't all that well thought of. I can't not think about it, Mike. I can't not think about it. Well, I was saying the movie guns I wouldn't think too much about, because remember the... The, the movie guns were battery powered. They were battery powered six okay. shooters. Okay, so let's let's say that this is a a issue with with the plot that has not been answered and therefore leaves open ended questions. I need answers, Phil. So, but let's let's get into answers <laughs> to the plot of the story that um, itself, which is basically by them finding the bullet, no matter how much of a flaw that is in the, in the whole arc of the story because it's like like you just said Eric um, it basically does two things to these two robots Hector and and uh, Maeve which is Hector now asks what does this mean and Maeve means none of it matters in other words Maeve based off of this scene I think now going forward meaning episode 5 going forward knows that this is just a stage and she's part of a stage and that Hector and her aren't really what they are programmed to be. In other words, it doesn't they're just programmed. They're not who they really are. And so I they're think they're awakening. They're awakening. So I think Hector now is gonna awake. And I also think Hector and Tandy and and, and uh, Maeve's characters, those characters are gonna be um Understanding that they're neither evil or good, they're free. It, well, you know, and here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. I think that uh, one by one, the robots are going to become aware, and the ones that become aware are going to let the other ones in on the fact that they aren't aware and make them aware. And eventually, they're all going to be aware, and they're going to be free, and they're going to be like, wait, why haven't we been free? And that's when the shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that's where it's going, 
and obviously the part of the interesting thing, even though we know that's where it's probably going, is how and and what and who is going to be next. Um, and and for example, today or this episode that interested me the most about this part of the story is that one character, Hector, who is portrayed as an evil murderer thief suddenly awakens and, and knows that, Oh, I'm just programmed to be evil, a murderer and a thief. And that's not how I have to be. And I think that's right. Ed, did you ever see the movie dark city? Yes, I have. Oh yeah. man, that movie's fucked up. Yeah. And well, again, the idea of dark city is that, Anything with there, Jennifer Connelly, man, I'm going to watch it. Yes. Um, is that it's these aliens playing around with what makes us who we are and experimenting with memory. And so they're putting different people in different roles and seeing what happens when they get put in those different roles. And so the lead uh, character is wakes up having commit, found out he committed a murder and has memories of committing the murder. But he, he – but, he didn't commit the murder because he's just sort of the puppet they're using for that. They they put him there. He has no memory of who he is other than, well, these false memories they've implanted. And the question is, do the memories make him the man? If he remembers committing a murder, is he in fact a murderer? And the idea is that there's some inner part of him. There's a soul, for lack of a better term, that makes him a better person so that even though he remembers doing it, he didn't really do it. He's not going to be a killer. And so the well, question is, is Hector a murderer because he's uh, programmed to be a murderer? But then when he – if he becomes self-aware, if he becomes cognizant, will he be a murderer or will he find, you know, uh, eschew what his memories tell him he is? And will there be some part of him that tells him he's something more or something better? Well, well just to wrap it, is he bad or is he just drawn that way? Drawn that way, yes. I, I, well, well, a part of it is um, – Using our, our Dark Discussions podcast episode that we just recorded that will be coming out uh, after this episode of, of the Westworld podcast, um, Secrets of Emily Blair, we discussed in that episode, She's is she really a murderer or or bad when the demon took over her or or not? And, and in that movie, the priest says no That's... one's guilty. You said, I'm the one. Uh, That's no a one little is, different. That's a different consciousness. A different consciousness versus being programmed or, yeah. or, or brainwashed. Yeah. All right. I, 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 okay. I, I mean, I can see somewhat of an analogy, but. Yeah, but that, there you're talking about another entity, and here we're talking about strictly memories. Yeah. All right. Okay. That's fair. Well, uh, then let me, let me say it as an analogy to, to possession which is a programmed to do something which isn't uh, even though you, you have some free will because you know you're programmed to be a sociopath or whatever, if you're programmed to be that way, is it your fault? So yeah, we could go into human genetics too, which is you know people are pro, are, have have been pro, you know by combinations of genes be mentally ill or be sociopaths or be whatever. Is it their fault? You know, I, I, I guess it. You can well, argue I don't think it's a, it is. I, I, I don't know. If it's a question of fault. I think it's a question of is that who you are, right? Is that your identity? Well, and I, I, once, I would say for a person it is because even if they don't have a conscience like a sociopath, 
they, uh, you know, the government says they still know that it's wrong, even if they don't care. The robots, however, I, I can't blame them because they're intentionally being slaves and they don't know they can change because they're programmed to be a sociopath or a murderer or whatever. And yet once they awaken, that's gone and then they become who they really are. Right. Well, yeah, but here's the thing, though. That's this, and this is, uh, uh, yeah, we need to move on soon. But uh, it's just an interesting train of thought, uh, which is that what actually makes up a personality? Because clearly these robots have a program. They are meant to go in a loop, and they are meant to do the same thing over and over again, uh, only varying when circumstances dictate it. Uh, and then they get wiped and start over again, and therefore have the same personality all the time. So, uh, would we develop as people if we didn't have memories? And like Mike was saying earlier, if you're just a little kid and you never learn anything, if you never remember anything, you're not going to develop. So, I think maybe this is, uh, in a way, the only thing that's holding the robots back from becoming truly sentient is the fact that they wipe their memories constantly. Well, and because, and therefore they don't have new experiences that can form their opinions. So, right. so yeah, they're, they're exactly. So I don't, I'm with the fact that the robot isn't at fault for following a storyline or how they're programmed Absolutely prior, not. prior, Absolutely not. prior to being awakened. I'll, I'll agree with you. And also, I will also state if we want to, just look at the hosts as as say uh, Roger Ebert would look at them, which is oh they're just fucking robots who cares. I will state it doesn't matter also because they're just robots and robots are programmed to well, do whatever. So and let's talk to, about this and let's talk about this in the context of the only thing we haven't talked about in this episode yet, yep. which is William and his soon to be brother in law. Okay, but let me let me say it's finish my, my 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 thought, which is if a robot is programmed to murder that doesn't mean that they're a murderer as we define it. They're just a machine doing something that we would frown upon. Like like a gun can be used to kill somebody, but it doesn't have to be. So yeah, I, yeah, we, yeah. So if we look at the as a host as just an entity or or a machine, then you can't hold them that. And that that was my only thought. The, the final. I can't believe you people are taking the the side of these bloody fucking skin jobs. I'm not because uh, even though Logan seems like a despicable character, and that's where we're going now, based off of what Eric said and the rest of Dolores' storyline, um, he says the smartest thing of all, which which is how we would uh, we are if we played a video game, which is, you know, if if we play the Grand Theft Auto, the bad guy in that, because that's what you are in that that video game. You do terrible things in that video game, and you have to do terrible things in that video to even complete the video game because there's there's um, side there's plots to move forward, and each each plot requires you to do something like become a hitman or, or a sniper or or beat someone in the head with a baseball bat. And, but that doesn't mean we're evil, as Logan says. It's just it's just fucking video game, and. And so if you well, look at it that way, I, Logan I don't know if it's that cut and dry. Well, that's the thing. Well, Logan, once he finds out that the robots are awakening and getting sentient things, will he consider them now? No, because he's a fucking prick. 
But I have to disagree because I'm I could go with Roger Ebert all the way to the grave like he did and state that it doesn't matter because a robot is a robot even if you they do become sentient they're still just a machine and that's it they're just no a the sentience is what matters it doesn't matter whether you're skin and bone or metal well, and circuits well see and that that's 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 the question that we have to ask because we can look at um, animals that we eat. And we can look at robots that we do these these people in Westworld do whatever they do to them, and it's and it it's it's the thing is is that the the difference is is that animals are alive, robots are not. Even if they are sentient, they're not alive. Yeah, but the, it but even on your definition of alive. Yeah, because even because life, well, what we consider to be alive is really when you get down to it, a All right, really well, hard thing to define. Let's not get too much into this because we, we discussed all this in the X Mac and a dark discussions episode that folks can go listen to. Um, but my point is, is that Logan actually that made him be more sentimental and more human to me because some, it made me suddenly look at, Oh my God, that's right. These are just fucking robots. And, and at least in his perspective, not in ours, because we obviously are looking at it differently because we're, viewers of a world that we're watching evolve and and beings becoming sentient. If we were Rogan and just going there as part of um, a game, a lap that happens to have robots where you can actually use the sword on people instead of using a, a stuff sword. The point is, is that he's looking at it as just a game and he goes, it's just a game. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, we're not doing any harm to anything. And so, that made me suddenly go, oh, yeah, that's right. And the reason I, I bring this up and really emphasizing it is that I'm thinking that You're going to go kill some hookers this weekend. Logan, no, no, he, Logan's not killing anybody. He's, killing, he's shooting machines. I was talking about you. Anyway, continue. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, that, that didn't make any sense. But all right, I'll let it go. But my point is, is that all he's doing is – playing Grand Theft Auto in a robot world instead of on a, on a TV screen. And so that doesn't make him evil. It just or makes does him, it? I don't think I don't it makes say, him I evil, but so. I think the guy's a fucking asshole. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he can be a prick. There's no doubt about that. But well, You yelled at me earlier when I said that. Well, I, okay, I thought you... All right, well, I guess it was semantical. I thought you were trying to say that he was an evil bastard, and I'm trying to you be a devil's advocate well, and, here. And he is, all he, all not he, because he shot a robot. All right. I, well, I won't go as far as calling a, a guy, uh, someone that's a prick to his future brother-in-law as evil. I'll just say that he's a prick to his future brother-in-law. He could be the best guy in he's, the world to everybody else in the world. He's a prick to every. He's a prick. He's a prick. He's a prick. He's a prick. We don't know that though. Do I we? do. Because I'm there's confident. not enough backstory to say whether he's a prick. I have all the information I need to judge him harshly. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Well, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm just stating that that we don't know. Yeah, but you like the you like the pricks in in the gallows. So I mean, it's the kid was just throwing a football for crying out loud, and the, and the loser nap didn't want to catch it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, my point is is that I liked them bringing it up the fact, and and at least bringing the audience us back to uh, that uh, that the guests that go in there aren't looking at them as possible robots that are going to become sentient and therefore a moral question is being asked. 
They're going in as if they're playing I will agree a with live you on that action point, yes. video game. That's all I'm trying to say. Okay, thank well, you. I, I, I'll agree with you there. Well, and that, but then the question is then on, on whose fault uh, do those sins lie, right? You know, because obviously information is being withheld from from the guests about the nature of these machines, and or well, at least again, that's, your, that's your definition of whether a sentient machine is any different than a, a machine, a regular machine. Well, and yeah, and then you get get into those questions and debates, and and by the way, I mentioned this last week um there is an episode of the tv series black mirror in its new season that sort of deals uh, with this question okay so you good. know which one i'm talking about eric uh yeah yeah we, we don't want to get in too much of it because no, i'm not getting into that do, we're probably going to do an episode on that in january but the, the, but, the, right, but the question podcast but go on. right but the but the question is you know if if you are doing something to someone and you have no reason to believe that person is self-aware or sentient or, you know, a, or human in the non-physical sense, then are you, then are you responsible for what you did? If it is an animal, like a dog or a cow or a cat or whatever, and you do it, I agree. That's disgusting because that's sociopath behavior. But if you're doing it to a sentient machine because you could have a, a senti a computer a box on the on the on the on the table that is sentient yeah and you could take a bat to it and but because it doesn't look like a human versus a host it's still just a machine just as the host is still a machine we've and Roger Ebert would, we've Roger this, Ebert we've had this conversation yeah. before on our ex Machina episode let's move on all right, fair Mike enough. and I are right. Mike and I are right. Phil is wrong. <laughs> I I have to disagree. I'm, I'm not going. Well, of course you disagree. I'm not wrong. going with a machine that's sentient as being alive. And that, therefore, that's, that's fine. You can be a horrible human. That's your choice. I don't think I'm a horrible human. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's just a machine. I have enough information to judge you harshly. Uh, again, that doesn't necessarily mean. But but again, there's a difference, Eric. I wouldn't do it, and me and Mike discussed this on, on one, uh, episode two of this podcast that we would feel weird being the black hat, and we, even if whether they're sentient or not, we wouldn't want to do it because it's just weird to us. It doesn't make us feel comfortable. Though I would do the black hat in Grand Theft Auto on my Xbox because that's the point of the game. But if someone else wanted to be a black hat, I don't know if I necessarily would consider them a bad person or a psychopath or whatever, because I mean, we've played Dungeons and Dragons and you can be chaotic evil and, right, and, right. and that Fair person enough. after the game's over is a fine person. So, Maybe. well, that's a fair point too, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, um, but again, though, it's, it's just a, a curiosity that depending on how you you go into it. And, and I guess you're a, point of view me and our and mike and probably you eric would look at going in as a black hat as as disgusting and weird but i don't know if i would Full black hat uh, maybe but gray hat I, i'd do gray hat well okay there you go so i and, and that's my point is that if you look at it as a game as these folks are not caring that you know the robots are just robots they're not going to 
they're not necessarily a bad person. So I'm just trying to say that Logan isn't well, necessarily as bad as we think, even if he's a prick and a scumbag otherwise. Well, and that's well, because right now the robots aren't sentient. Right. Well, let me let me throw this out at you. There is um what about the box on, on the on the desk that's sentient and you take a bat to it? Is that terrible? Anyway, if it's sentient, yeah. then yeah. So there, you know, uh, psychologically, like they say, if you're you're in a bad mood, smile because you'll end up. You just it's hard to be in a bad mood if you're smiling, right? That in some cases your physical behaviors will eventually, you know, impart themselves on your personality, right? That you can, that if you do something, you can become that thing. So if you are, and the, and this is the difference between sitting there on a couch and just pushing a button. To kill a whole bunch of people. Um, if you are, uh, if you are actually engaging and miming out evil acts, even if you're not necessarily doing them against a real person, if you are or, pretending or an to animal, rape people, or an animal. right? Yeah. What, what does that does that not at some point, or does that at some point have an impact on? Again, for lack of a better term, uh, have an impact on your soul, on who you are. How many, how many, ta- I mean, how many I mean, times can you – how many could, times could a person yeah, simulate rape and murder uh, corrupting them? Yes. But Eric, Eric, this is a good point that Mike brought up because as, as a, a fan of, um, I guess, alternative and heavy metal and whatnot um, and all that nonsense about Ozzy Osbourne and Judas Priest that had to go through Tipper Gore and Al Gore and all that crap where – Al our, had nothing to do with it, FYI. The, uh, well, the uh, – What's that? He, he, Al had nothing to do with it. It was well. Just, it was it was his wife. And he, he was banging. He, he, he was time. banging Tipper. Yeah, he was banging her. So he, he was a hundred percent responsible. Uh, or apparently not, which is why she was up t- tight enough to go with the way she went. Anyway, but either way, the point is, is the the members of the Gore family. The point is, is that the the people were trying to blame the Ark for actions of people. But you listening to Judas Priest. Or Ozzy Osbourne ain't going to make you a bad person. It actually probably makes you a better person because you're more well-rounded and you enjoy the music. So what? So, uh, totally it's, not what we're talking about here. Well, Mike had a good point. It's which is if someone who thinks weird thoughts but never goes through with them. No, I'm talking about people actually going through with them but going simulating them. If you're continually acting out bad thoughts, you know, and you get actors who do who play roles, right? Of playing, you know. That right. they'll play John Wayne Gacy or, uh, or, and they, they start feeling skeevy after a while that they're playing, even though they're not really doing these things, they're just acting it out. Sure. They'll, they'll say a lot of times that, that it, it has an impact on them. Anyway. But, but that so, also could be hyperbole just to make people not think they're weirdos. I've heard it from enough actors that I, I tend to believe that for some of them it's true. Well, what about the actor that gets typecast in bad, you know, as a bad guy always? He's not ever going to be. What about William? Well, all right, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. I, I think the, the listeners get what we're, we're talking about, but let, let's move on. Yeah, specific to both w- w- Logan and William and the door. But, but if our listeners would like to weigh in, I think oh, we yeah. all will agree that we'd like to hear your perspective on why Phil is wrong about this. <laughs> I'm not wrong. What are you talking about? <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Mike and I know what the score is. Uh, so oh, William, William right. and Logan, William and Logan are palling around. And here's the thing that bugs me about Logan. This is why I'm judging Logan so harshly, is okay. because even if you are 
a black hat, even if you do come into this part and, and shooting robots, I don't necessarily have a problem with that as long as they're not sentient. But he's like, theoretically, he was supposed to come in here with William so they could have a good time. Uh, and he will not allow William to enjoy this. <laughs> William is trying to have a good time here, and clearly, since he chose a white hat hat and Logan is a black hat, they have different ideas of what a good time is. But instead of just uh, if, if they're going to be like that, instead of just going their separate ways, uh, he's intent on not letting William enjoy his white hat experience, and he's a fucking prick. Uh, <laughs> I agree with that statement. Yes. Because because William just wants to hang out with Dolores. And, you know, he's perfectly aware that she's not a human or anything like that. But he wants to have that experience. And fucking Logan just won't let it happen. He's constantly sticking his nose in. Constantly being a pain in the ass. Uh, and even though they finally went on this bounty hunt that he wanted to go on. After they catch the guy. On the way back to town, he he shoots the fucking deputy. Uh, and William freaks out. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, it's just a robot. He's like, that, but he was a good robot. He's a lawman. He was a... <laughs> so he just won't allow William to enjoy his vacation. And that's why I think he's a fucking prick. Yeah, and I think story-wise... Story um... He's there for more than just having a good time with William, right? He's 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 got right. They, some, do, they do state that flat out this episode. Yeah, that he's got some fucked up idea of he's going to make a real man out of William. Basically, right? He's going to, yeah. you know, get get him to grow grow a pair of balls or whatever it is. The bollocks. Some bollocks, yes. Whatever it is, he thinks he's going to do. Oh, excuse me. Um. That he he clearly does not think much of his future brother-in-law, uh, but the point is that you have uh, he, William's a different kind of person, and we see this in how they're choosing to enact their roles. And this guy is more of an obnoxious ass, and he wants William to be an obnoxious ass just like him. And he thinks spending some time in the park will help make him an obnoxious ass. <laughs> right. And he's getting frustrated because William doesn't want to be an obnoxious ass. And he can't understand why he's not going to be an obnoxious ass. Yep. That's that's a good way of putting it. Uh, yeah, so basically, <laughs> I mean, William's kind of doing, trying to do the love story with Dolores. Uh, but, but Logan's just not letting it happen. Um and apparently now he thinks that the guy they captured, um, I didn't understand his excitement when he heard the guy's name. Can either of you explain that to me? Like when he found out who the guy was that they just captured, he gets all excited and shoots the deputy so they can and take the prisoner and do what? Well, it has to do with not uh, – it's whoever this guy is, is I guess some sort of uh, big crime lord. Alazo, a lazy. Okay. I can't read my own handwriting. Right, he says you know, take me to so and so. So I and he goes, oh, you know, son of a bitch, you you've got you know, uh, you discovered an Easter egg on this your first time through the fucking game. 
Uh-huh. Right. That. So this is one of the secret quests. So he must be one of these figures that's hanging out in the background. You know that. You know, in your normal video game, you'd you know hear a name mentioned or see him in one of those things that they write that nobody except my wife ever reads. <laughs> right. Um. And. And lo and behold, he actually now is actually a player character in the game, and he's found a way to access that side quest. Okay, gotcha. Right, and so I think that's that's the exciting part, and he doesn't have to want to drag Sheriff Killjoy or Deputy Killjoy along with them. <laughs> right, okay. And and just, you know, because, and you know, the easiest sense. way, yeah, he's a robot, so we don't want him around, bang. It's okay, he'll be cleaned up, spruced up, and made good as new tomorrow. And again... If he's not going to remember it, what's uh-huh. the crime? Right, and and you know, <laughs> well, that was just a creepy thought. Anyway, um, yeah, so why not? <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you think of uh, right. Think about Groundhog's Day, right? Imagine, what if you were Bill Murray living through Groundhog's Day, and they were actually people, and you could do anything you want to the people, and the next day they're all going to be back to normal. Uh huh. So, anyway. That's getting back into that argument that we don't want to get back into. Right. But it was a good point that you brought that up about the, another hidden thing in the park. Um, now, uh, what else do we want to talk about, William? So basically, William decides to... It looks like he's listening to his 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 friend, or not his friend, his future brother-in-law by saying, when the brother-in-law says, it's just robots, who cares? You know, um, But... He decides that, and I would probably would too, and and any normal person would too would want to hang out with Dolores. So he, we see him leaving, Logan leaving with the bad guy to continue on that Easter egg quest, and uh, we have um, William hanging out with Dolores. And and the thing that's interesting about the two characters, whether we hate Logan or not, Logan wants to do something new and exciting in this world, not just do. The same old, same old. But here, this is a new thing, so this is exciting for him. While for William, who's it's his first time in this park, just hanging out with a pretty girl like Dolores is exciting for him. And I, so I think this is the right thing for both characters because if we look at the characters as one not, if we look at both as not being despicable, even though it's hard because Logan is a scumbag, if we just look at them as people that want to enjoy themselves in this world, they're both doing the correct thing, I think. It's just that <laughs> one of them is is leading into the main storyline, which is the freedom of of the robots, the Dolores story, and the other one is going off on an Easter egg that may or may not lead into the main storyline, or it could just be another you know side quest, and his character won't be significant for a couple of episodes. Well, you know? and I think William's going to end up on the side of the robots when everything goes down. I think he's going. To, he's going to betray his race and and try and help the robots achieve their independence. Oh, I, I agree. I think him, him and Dolores may hook up, and I also think uh, Logan, when he he finds out they're sentient, I don't. I think he may actually become a good guy too, even though they're. Oh, I look don't. Like, well, they're making him look like a bad guy, but I, I'm still not. He is a bad guy. No, no, no. But but so wasn't Jamie in, in Game of Thrones. But my point is, is that they could switch characters left and right here. Just because they're worse guys doesn't mean he's still not a bad it's, guy. It's, it's, <laughs> well, easy, it's easy yeah, to you do can... it. It's easy to do it in Westworld because it's if you're bad at the beginning, it's just you're playing a game. If they continue to be bad based off of 
what you guys believe, which is a sentient robot is considered a living being or more than just a robot machine, if they continue to be bad, then I would agree with you, Eric. But that being bad and being a jerk is a different thing. I, but I, 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 oh. I, yeah, I have a feeling that he's simply going to, no matter what happens with the machines, he's going to take the side that that they're just machines. I don't think he's ever going to come around to their side. I, and I'm wondering if you're going to get that issue of, of dissonance with with William, where you know, to what degree is or is his actions going to agree with his behavior? Is he going to get to the point where he's you know saying this is not who I am? Um, because right now he is allowing himself to be led led by his brother-in-law. Oh, I just had a neat thought. What if they kind of combine the future world in here? Um, and what if somebody we think is a guest turns out to be a robot? Because they replaced them. Like, what if William or Logan turns out to be a robot? That would be cool. They might be cool. I'm not sure if that's would be a good way to go. That <laughs> yeah. be, I, didn't say, I didn't say it made sense. I just I'm just, saying cool. it, I'm just saying it might be asking more of the audience than the audience is willing to give up. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, you, you can't have like the whole thing end up being nobody is real except you know, they're just it all robots. It was all just a dream. Right. All right. So, can we get to the Man in Black finally? That we or talked about him already. Did we? Well, we, we didn't really talk about. Uh, well, I guess you, we just yeah we Norwegian, really talked about the main thing. The Norwegian chick and how he was after her. Swede. They're all Swede. <laughs> um, yeah, the the girl from Cold Prey. Teresa. No, not Teresa. Not Teresa. No, the you're talking. Are you ta- you're talking about the one with the tattoo, right? Yes. The snake tattoo, the hot chick. Oh, with, okay. With the boobs. Uh, oh, she has That's a cool actress. character. She has a cool character name. Let's use it. Uh, what is it? God damn it! I was just staring at it. Um, it's a Norwegian chick. No, she has a cool character name. Right, and it begins with an A, I think. Uh, I got it right here. Hold on. Uh, her name, her character name is Armistice. Armistice. That That's it. it. Yeah, yeah. Armistice. That's a cool fucking name. Right. Because she shoots people. Well, she's also got snake <laughs> tattoos. Well, let's put it this way. She has this cool tattoo that goes wraps around her body. And since to see it, we have to see her completely naked. It was pretty cool. She's, <laughs> she's hot. And there's her, Phil. Well, yeah, but I mean, okay, Armistice, by definition, is, a, is referring to a treaty. And we're getting, I think... Therefore, some foreshadowing here because we're dealing with a treaty with the two sides here with Maeve and Hector, right? Is that maybe what they're – or is she going to factor into some other sort of treaty or agreement? I think she's she's tipping the man in black off to uh, the trail of – shit, what's his name? Bad guy. Uh, Wyatt. Thank you, Wyatt. She just put, uh, put the man in black onto Wyatt's trail. So I think that's has more significance to her storyline than the other. Or I could be wrong. Who knows? Well, I was just talking about in terms of her. Well, what is her right? All right, what her name means. So are we going to get an armistice in that regard? Something to do with maybe. Huh. All right. So anyway, the thing with her, Wyatt just got dumped in the de- to Westworld. Right? He hasn't been there up until now, and right. Ford just released him for lack of a better term. 
Um, so some shit's about to go down. I don't know what it is, but but Wyatt is a badass. He's got badass fucking monster, unshootable cannibal mask wearing dudes with him. Uh, and the man in black now knows his name and is looking for him. So that could get interesting. You know, something, uh, you know, I just thought of something. Uh, back to we, something else interesting is since you brought up the guns, I meant to bring it up before, is that, uh, what's his name? Lucas? Who's Lucas? I, I, no, I know. Uh, I, Teddy? Uh, William. No, not William. No, not William. Oh, oh, Logan. 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 Logan switched his guns. That's right. Oh, that's right. He said upgrade. In his mind, it's an upgrade. Uh Uh-huh. Well, because it's just a game. In his mind, it's an upgrade. It may be be one of those guns that that works good for robots, but isn't one of those ones that will do shit for people. Meaning the people guns might do more than the, the robot guns do. Well... I don't know, but uh, yeah, I'm also pretty sure that I mean uh, the gun that Dolores has. I'm fairly confident that that is not a robot gun; that is a human gun. Right. Uh, so if and, he ends up in a if he ends up in a situation where they draw on each other, he could be fucked. Also, Mike, I would I would state that if the change of guns is a big plot point, then I think it's a cheat. Because we're talking about 30 years that this happened, and there would have been something that says, "Oh, you can't switch guns," or you know, whatever. So I, if they, if that, oh no, that's got to be allowable because that happens in westerns all the time. You take right, so that's guy. that's what I'm saying. So I don't think it's a really a big plot point, Eric. I mean, Mike, yeah. I think it was just well, then, I, then I, I, it was just a personality thing to make us hate Logan more. I think. Ooh, a bigger gun! <laughs> you know, like that. I have a that bigger means, dick now. He know, has we'll a see. small penis. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly. Logan the asshole has a small penis. Yep. Uh, it's called micro penis. I have judged him harshly. So I, I'm thinking that it can't be an important plot point. It was just to make us. They put it in there. Have, I think it. Yeah, but I think it was more just to make us have a feeling of one way or another about Logan, because. Otherwise, it's a cheat. It, it's stupid because we are talking about 30 years, and out of 30 years, people have probably been doing this all the time, and then suddenly they uh, I, I don't know. We'll see. On, on uh, Logan, that would be stupid. We, we don't we don't know what the rules of the park are. We don't know how it works. We'll see. Anyway, right. let's get And they better start telling us soon. I'm, I'm just saying, in my opinion, whether uh, that it, could, it would be kind of stupid is all. Anyway, let's get back to uh, that. I'm sorry. That was for my... My digression, uh, right? So you have armistice, and it, it and uh, armistice makes a deal with the man in black to go basically to tell him about the story of her tattoo because she's got a snake tattoo, and yes. he'll and he'll free Hector in exchange for that, and he does it with exploding cigars. Yeah. Yep. Um, by the way, by the way, uh, it was pretty fucking cool, even though. It's just a robot. Um, it was pretty cool when, when that guy had the scar in his mouth and it blew up. And, and he deserved it anyway because he was a prick. He was a prick robot. He deserved it. <laughs> that was fucking awesome. Boom! No more head. <sighs> um, I, I also liked how after he brings Hector back, um, they, or I should say he, when he talks to Armistice, um, talks about Arnold and Arnold 
it, it was just curious. It was cool how he brings in Arnold without giving away anything to the robots. Right. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. And, well, the, you get to the snake. I mean, I don't know why my first my brain first went to, because it's a game, uh, Snakes and Ladders, which Americans made into Shoots and Ladders. Uh, I don't know why my brain went there. But you're talking about a, you know, a quest for knowledge, and there you're getting biblical, right? You're getting all the serpent in the Garden of Eden. Right, right. Uh, the temptation of the forbidden fruit, which was the knowledge of good and evil. You know, the idea that that's kind of where humans got free will from, oh. and we've been suffering for it ever since. What? Good catch, Mike. That's good. Um, I, I I also liked Mike how she said that. You know, uh, she kept on covering herself with blood. In her backstory, her backstory basically said that which which has to be very unhygienic. But that's ah. not my point. My point is is that she her backstory basically says that this Wyatt guy and his group killed all of her family and friends or something that when she was younger, and so to make it look like she was dead too, she would take blood of first her family and then each person she killed or something of his group until Wyatt was all that's left. And he's the only one that's left out there. And yet all of this about Wyatt is brand new from last episode. So, or is it? Well, that's, that's what I'm thinking <laughs> now. Because, because it appeared that, all right, let's make up this new backstory for Teddy, which is that he's after this guy named Wyatt, who's a bad guy. And all right, now this random host becomes Wyatt. And that's the new storyline. But based off of this... It, it feels too big of a picture now because how, because now they're throwing in the snake woman or Armistice as part of the Wyatt story. And the Wyatt story was just invented last week. Mm. And yet it's all connected to the maze. So I'm thinking like you, Mike, which is, or is it? Well, it reminds me of uh, when they first started doing downloadable content on video games. Yep. And expansion packs and so forth for console games. They've been doing them forever, obviously, for, for PC games because it was a lot easier to do them for PC games. And you would get some people get their underwear in a bunch when they had planned out what their, their quote-unquote downloadable content would be and included it with the original game. It was just locked. And people felt they were being ripped off because when they bought the disc, since it was already on the disc, they owned the downloadable content and they shouldn't have to pay to, to unlock the downloadable content. When we recognize, I think, that it's just was a simpler delivery mechanism, you know, an easier way to get it there so they didn't have to download it later. So I'm thinking that this is something that was might have been already there, was in the planning from the beginning. Because you have these characters with these backstories that had never been filled in and, and Ford says that to Teddy last week. Right? It was last week? Yes. Yeah. Whereas, like you know that that dark past that you you never really said what it was that dark secret you've had or whatever or you know that's because we hadn't written it for you. Yeah. So it's finally unlocked those memories or unlocked this that this is in my point being this is all part of the plan. It has been part of the plan from the beginning. Um, part of whose plan though? Well, it, either two people, Cause, right? It's either cause Ford clearly, clearly or the, the only person that really knows what's going on is Ford, because everybody else is freaking out trying to figure out what the fuck his thing is. Or, or the other one would be the ghost in the machine, which is Arnold. Yeah, okay, that too. 
But, but I, yeah, if, if Arnold's involved, I think Ford knows about it. Well, I, and you could be right. He he he's either going along with it, or he's fighting it. But or he's I helping would, it. Yeah. Right. Right. Going along. That's what I meant. Yeah. Um. But you're right. Uh. It, he probably does know about it. I would think he would. Yeah. And and it may actually appear to be the man in black does too, because if he's this wealthy and he's that determined to get to the end of the maze and he knows all about Arnold and he knows the maze is directly related to Arnold and being so wealthy, you know, who knows, you know, he could have people outside of Westworld doing their research too, you know? So every time he leaves, he gets a, a pack of information from his investigators. You know? So, you know, so I think two people know about it, which is Ford and, and, and the man in black for sure. Um, after that, you're right. I mean, is anybody manipulating it? And again, that's assuming it's Arnold, right? I mean, you, like you said, Eric, it could just be Ford himself, and it has nothing to do with mm-hmm. Arnold. Right. All right. Well, we've been talking about this hour-long episode of television for two hours now. Well, how about we wrap this up? <laughs> well, yeah. And honest, Eric, I think I think it's the episode with the excluding the the first and even some of the second, probably the episode that has the most to to dissect, discuss, just for the fact that all these. Well, and I'm glad I went and watched it a second time because there are, there's some shit in there for sure I missed the first time through. And Eric, who, who do you have to thank for deciding to go back and watch it? Thank you, Mike. Don't be a wise ass. Why not? Because I was I was the one that said it on online on the Facebook. I said it's one of the best. Yeah, but since then I have judged you harshly because I like Logan. And, and and right. Hey, Eric, I mean, Mike always says I like the pricks and gallows. So I, you know, I have to continue that trend, you know? Right, right. I was just trying to be devil's advocate and get, I always try I to, know, Phil, I gotta I, give you shit though. I always try to look for the good in everybody, even stupid <laughs> characters on TV. Even trolls on our Facebook page. Even those, yes, absolutely. But I always get flustered and angry, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> All um, right. All right, so, so uh, uh, final thoughts, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Thoughts, predictions for next week. Uh, I think that next week we will um, we will see Maeve continue to uh, go on her path to sentience. Uh, yep. She's probably a little further along the curve than uh, than I think even Dolores at this point. She seems to have a faster learning curve. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that, Eric. Um, uh, Tandy, I mean, uh, Maeve's character, since we're, we're going to go, my, Ma- Maeve. Ignore, yeah. ignore the E, it's Maeve. You're right. I, I should know this because it's a, because uh, I know a few people with the, with the name, um, especially in the greater Boston area with a lot of Irish folk. But, um, yeah, Maeve, um, actually, uh, oh, and actually my, my wife's friend's daughter is named Meeve. <laughs> what a dumbass. And, and she's Irish from Ireland. Uh, but yeah, um, so Meeve uh, most certainly appears to be a little further. But then again, you, um, it's interesting how it worked because, right, wasn't it Meeve became sentient or, or at least on this path because of Dolores, because Dolores whispered the thing in her ear, right, or said it out loud. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so so it's kind of interesting that she's moving ahead quicker than than Dolores. Um, but yeah, we well, learned... there's also the fact that Bernard seems to be steering Dolores. Yes, uh, and Maeve doesn't have anybody doing that for her because hers was more of a malfunction, whereas Dolores's past seems to be at least somewhat planned by Bernard. Right. Exactly. 
Um, so, I, yeah, I think we're going to learn. Have I, I think next episode, this is just a guess, uh, Meeve's character will be an important aspect of that episode because so far the most intriguing thing of any of the previews that we've seen was from episode one, the preview there where we see Meeve saying, I've died hundreds of times. Uh-huh. How many times have you, have you died? And I think that was the most intriguing thing I've seen so far. So I think her role, if it, not, it, it again, it may not even be next week, but it's coming soon. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. I also think next week we might get, uh, I really hope at least uh, we get a confrontation between the man in black and uh, Wyatt. Uh, yes. If they just have a whole bunch of uh, it, let's put it this way: if they skip that next episode, I'll be a little miffed. Right, right, right. And, and it was curious too because the man in black met up with Teddy this week. Teddy's what chained to a right a pole. He's all fucked up. He goes, "Oh, it's you again, Teddy." Jesus, but <laughs> Teddy, you poor bastard. <laughs> I know he really is a poor bastard. I mean, god damn, Teddy. <laughs> Oh, that okay. Teddy sure does have some rotten luck. Oh, Mike, you're back with us. I'm back. Yeah. So okay. apparently, after running through all the technical problems, it was uh, somehow the mute button got hit on Skype. Ah, I don't know why, because I didn't even have the Skype window open, and I don't know what it did to, to click it off. Nevertheless, I guessing you didn't hear anything I said. Nothing. Nope, sure didn't. And so when I went through the brilliant analyses and came to the final conclusion, the Put the piece of the puzzle in and solve the whole Westworld mystery. You you missed all of that, right? So yep, yep, yes. sure did. All right, well I'm not going through all that shit again. So <laughs> then then what, what what what's your final thoughts of this episode then uh, and so forth? No, the final and, thought and, this and was predi- the, predictions predictions. Well, this was a solid episode because it gave us it 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 built off, built off of what we got mostly in one and two and started filling in some pieces. Um, Next week is episode five. That's the midpoint, so we should be really getting to um, getting building momentum, right? Because we want to. The last two or three episodes really need to be the the climax. The you know really have the the big moments uh, for the series, and we can't do that if we don't start bridging to that over the next two or three three shows. So, if I remember correctly, and I might be wrong, on the the next week. They looked like you had a sit down between the man in black and Robert Ford. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Whether whether they're tricking us again, and that's going to be in episode eight, like the thing. Well, that could be in a later like episode. A, yeah. They but didn't show coming. them in the same it's coming. Right, it could have been clever editing because they could just have had them sitting down in two completely separate scenes in the in the episode, yep. and not yep. sitting in the same location or if in the same location at the same time. So they yep. may not be sitting down with each other. Uh, maybe, maybe Ford is sitting down with Teddy. Who knows? Just saying, Teddy, you were the lamest robot I ever made. Um, poor Teddy. Yeah, poor Teddy. Teddy's a fucking loser. I've judged him harshly. He's he's definitely, uh, Murphy's Law, there's no doubt about it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it's, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to have to start filling things in, and I think Maeve is, to end on this point with Maeve and not pick it up next week would be a shame. Yes. So I'm really hoping that they pick something up and move her forward. And I'm liking her a lot because she's really even more than uh, Dolores is is really taking initiative and figuring out what's going on. 
Dolores is sort of reacting to things and sort of meandering into answers or hoping she wanders into answers. Yeah. And where Maeve is really investigating. And so I'm really liking what her character is doing. She's using some intelligence. She's, t- she's finding small clues and she's piecing them together and taking an active role where Dolores is more, you know, passive and she's kind but of again, it, again, I think us. it's, but again, I, to be fair to the Dolores character versus the Meeve character is, why are you going to be fair it, to her? She's just a robot is, is a uh, happenstance because, uh, Meeve's character, um, for whatever, you know, she, she had the, the quote said to her by Dolores. Therefore she begins to have that journey. And for whatever reason, she had that weird feature that Dolores didn't have, which is that she has the ability to dream and wake up because of how her character was programmed to think of positive thoughts and then count to three or whatever, and then she would wake up. While Dolores's character didn't. So I think it's more happenstance than... Well, it's also the difference in the characters. Dolores is the... The quiet, meek little farm girl, um, where and and Maeve is the the, uh, the Moxie, uh, uh, what do you call her, Madam? Madam, yeah. right? So yeah. and she's she's meant to be more of a take charge character. So it is completely keeping with both characters. Right. You know, that Dolores. It, was that her? Say that again. I said plus she had her regression up by twenty percent. Yes. Oh, so, that's right. Oh, that's that's actually a fair point, Eric. You're right. Yeah, they didn't fix that. Yeah. No, they they brought her up. They 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 pumped her up because they wanted to make make her character. Yeah, but then the get, ones they had afterwards, they said, "Oh, they fucked that up." And well, they said she needed more empathy. I don't know if they actually tweaked her aggression back down. They didn't specifically state it. Right. So I could go either way with that. Right. But yeah, so she's and remember that, that basically she's supposed to be uh, Dolores is like you know. The perils of Pauline, right? She's she's the she's the girl there to be tied to the railroad tracks, <clears throat> right? Yeah. So she's not supposed to be the active. She's there to be saved. At right. least, yeah, in her storyline. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and, so, and her and her and even if she was real, not you know, meaning human, her storyline is is of a farm girl versus a girl that probably was living in in Chapel Hill. And and and, fl- and fled fled Victoria, you know, England to get land up in the middle of the old west, you know, as, as a harsh, you know, beaten down person type thing. There's a little different uh, upbringings for sure. Um, they have different personalities. Um, exactly, and they were also the Could fact they have that, personalities if they weren't real. Well, they're programmed. Oh, oh, holes in Phil Surrey. Oh, it hurts so much. Um, their backstories. Anyway, so, um, also one thing that's interesting too is that they're not, I'm curious if William and Dolores will become lovers or not because the easy way thing would be to do that. But recently in movies and TV, they've changed, uh, that for, you know, whatever, you know, because today, uh, or at least the, the public, you know, if you put the thumb on the pulse of the world, at least now, at least what the media tells us, that's not hip to have uh, the woman have to have a man necessarily. And you can be just partners rather than 
lovers. And so I'm curious if they will switch that and, and go to the lover thing, or are they just going to build it to be the partner thing? Because that's what the pulse of the society says right now. I think there will be a romantic element to their relationship. Um, but he is engaged to be married. So I I don't think he will go there. It's an excellent point, Eric. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Because he's not a dick. So you know what? what? That that would be, and to be honest, that's a nice convenient way to do the finger or the thumb on the pulse of today's, you know, media by making him already be engaged or married so he wouldn't want to do it anyway and therefore eliminate the the love angle between the two. Uh-huh. And because I think the political correct thing today is to not have the love angle uh, when when the genders are opposite. Yeah, but I don't think this show is necessarily worried about being politically correct. What do you think, Mike? Or did we lose Mike again? No, I'm here. I think they're they're I wouldn't call them politically correct because I don't think they're bending over backwards to be politically correct. Um, I think they're trying to make strong characters. They have strong female characters, strong male characters, they have weak male characters, weak female characters. If they're being politically correct in any way, shape, or form, it would be in um, their steering at the moment far clearer of using Native American characters and because it's really hard – to do that, I mean, they 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 scuttled the, the what whatever is English Ponce's storyline yeah. that had the savage Indians, right? It's right. because that is because it is you know look, it's going to be really hard to do that in a. I mean, we we didn't play cowboys and Native Americans, right? That's right. we played cowboys and Indians, right? Um, certainly, people of our age, because um, we, right. we were we were we were we were a little racist and so forth. Uh, just to, just to interject for a second, Mike, uh, the Revenant. Which came out um, early this year um, had the Indians and the and the Cowboys, and they kind of kept to the same old tropes without stereotyping, but it was still the same. You know, they killed each other. Um, but anyway, I just want to throw that in to put everything in perspective. But continuing, right? So they're they're, and I don't know if they're going to introduce Native American characters later on, but. They're basically avoiding the issue right now. I think it's just so they don't have to deal with it. Um, right, I don't right, think being, right. I don't think they're being politically correct, and that's why. So Ford has invented uh, these horror characters, Wyatt and his and his goons, and with devil horns or whatever they are, um, rather than go with uh, yeah, in, in Indians or, or Mexicans, like they would right. in the old old the old uh, westerns. Exactly. Yeah, that's 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 interesting. Yeah. All right. So so the, yeah. So they are avoiding things that could get negative feedback for the show. Right. If you see, if you suddenly see a guy in um, with the 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 cross bullet bandoliers and the great big sombrero and the great big mustache, you know, going, "Hey, <laughs> hombre, what you doing?" You know, then you'll know that they've hey, crossed over. Hombre. Right, right. Well, and, that, and Mike, that's the reason why I'm thinking now that, especially when Eric brought up the point, which is the uh, the William character is engaged, so he probably wouldn't want a relationship with Dolores anyway. I'm thinking all this was planned at the beginning 
of the writing stage, similar to what you just mentioned about the the Native Americans, and I mentioned about uh, the the Mexican folk, to not stereotype groups from the West, old West movies, also to follow today's trends, which is to make the man and woman not necessarily be lovers on on a show, because then you would have various groups, you know, uh, uh, whether they're feminists or, or whatever you want. I don't think they're worried about that. Well, you know, you may be right, but I mean, you know, I mean, we, we've listened to Joanna Robinson and her outrage and some things in the Game of Thrones. I mean, even Tan- Tandy Newton at the end of this episode said, I like my character because she's not like a regular stereotypical female character in most Hollywood films and TV. So I'm thinking they're thinking more, much more than you really think, Eric. About well, I think I think the big thing here is that this is not a Western. This is a modern or futuristic recreation of a Western. So just as when we make a Western film now, they will not. They'll try to avoid things that might be insensitive, even if it was true to what was going on in the West at the time. And in other words, like you could get a you could get a uh, what was that movie? Horrible, horrible movie. A Wild Wild West with Will Smith as the lead character who's black. Yeah. Uh, and and really not have anybody drop an N word here or there. Well, The Unforgiven, which is a really good movie, the same thing. They're, Morgan Freeman's character and and they didn't you, his ethnicity had nothing to do with his character, and then they didn't bring it up once in the film. And even here in Westworld, we have black folk, including in this episode, uh, the sheriff is black. Right. Or Bone Tomahawk. They don't have Native Americans. They have Neanderthals. Right. Or yeah, the sheriff is them. a dung. That, that movie, right, the, the Bone Tomahawk, which is the, the horror movie that came out last year, they, they made the Indians or Native Americans – they call them troglodytes, meaning they aren't really Native Americans, and they specifically have a narration at the beginning of the movie where one guy goes, oh, they're not really Native Americans. They're just these crazies that that are aborigines that are called troglodytes. Actually, right. I think he used the word Native Americans. He said savages, so they weren't trying to be PC there either. Yeah. yeah. Right, but the point is that this is meant as entertainment for what they consider to be modern people, and as entertainment for modern people – they're going to try to steer clear of tropes that would offend the potential customers. Never mind it, the real customers, which is us, the viewers, who would possibly or or critics who would be outraged. Right, right, right. and it goes. So I'm saying, so it fits both ways. It fits for both within the context of the show, and it fits in the context of reality. Right. So right. I don't think they're. I don't think they're terribly politically correct necessarily. They're not going out of their way. Yeah. All right. That's fair. That's fair. Because I, yeah, I, I was just. Curious, your you guys' thoughts of of the Logan, not the Logan, the William and Dolores situation, and and it appears that you guys uh, answered my question quite well. And uh, it is curious. Um, so they're, they're they're doing both. They're following the pulse of what people are saying now about you know relations and all that, but they're also um, you know they do throw in the the. The things that aren't put correct as well. So they're, they're, they're doing a tightrope, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Right. So we're closing in on hour three. All right. Yes. So let's, 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 uh, yeah, let's wrap up now. Uh, so, all right. So we, uh, we all agree it was a pretty a solid episode and, um, and whatnot. And we discussed what 
possibly could happen in the future. Um, these last few minutes, never mind, throughout the episode and how it could relate to the future of the show. So, I guess, uh, unless anybody else, anything else to say, anybody? Eric, uh, Mike? No? All right. So, uh, Eric, why don't you lead us out? All right. Uh, thank you for tuning in to listen to us talk about season four of Westworld. Come back next week. We'll be talking about season five. Season five. Episode five. Episodes come before seasons. Mm-hmm.